everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. As always, my name is Brad, and I am joined by Alex and Craig. Craig, say hi. Alex, say hi. Hello. <laughs> Craig's shy. Craig's only here for backup, and he's not here for anything else besides that. He is a very bad bear. He's been f***ing up way too much lately, so <laughs> we're replacing him. <laughs> Hey, Craig, guess what? You're fucking fired, but you still have to work for us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the contract, right? It's like, you know, you're you're fired, so you're you're done after this week. Yeah. So we'll see how this works. I mean, we might as well have Craig as backup all the time, but he's just going to be an unpaid, like, backup. <laughs> We're already not paying him. Yeah, exactly. So nothing changes for Craig, really. Speaking of nothing changing, um, we have some challenge results over the uh, this last weekend, and... There hasn't been too much of a shakeup in Pioneer since the bannings. It's been kind of consistent. I think we're starting to get into that little bit of a groove to where we're going to end up as far as the meta is concerned. So, Alex, we had some challenges, like I said. And, of course, I alluded to not much changing. What happened? G give us the winners. All right, so the winner of the Saturday challenge was Dreams of Ashiok playing Niftalite. And the Sunday challenge was... Ozymandias17 playing Ors of Auras. Nice. So I do want to... Trying to see if the same people showed up again, if they like performed well twice, but doesn't seem like... I do want to make a quick note. Um, so there's a player by the name of Ben Breslow. Uh, I apologize, Ben, if I'm mispronouncing your last name. And uh, they were the one that piloted the third place uh, Lotus Combo deck on the Sunday Challenge on the 7th. They tweeted out uh, saying like how their matchups were and things like that. And apparently in game three against Winota, who went on to be second place, losing to Orzov Ors in the finals, they accidentally F6 through their turn on MTGO and lost because of that. So technically, yes, that is still a loss. Um, but should would that have been a paper event? It's literally impossible to accidentally pass your turn. So <laughs> that is the downside of a digital client. So take that. I think I would put a slight asterisk next to that because I don't know how the, I, I have no idea how the Orzov Auras matchup is for Lotus. My gut tells me it could be horrible because yeah. like if you, if you just go turn one uh, hoplite, turn two armor, armor, and you're sitting there as a Lotus player going like, I have a Sylvan scrying. I can go find my Lotus. <laughs> um, so we don't know how that would have been. So it could have just been a second place finish instead of a third place finish. But at the end of the day, that that is something worth bringing up, I feel. And Alex, you've been saying for weeks, where is Lotus combo? Why is it not showing up more? This feels like the meta where it would be perfect because no one's running Damping Sphere. So no one would be ready for it. And then we joked last week that, like, all the builds are just so different. But this one is like a blast to the past, right? It's running Wolf Haven again. It's running the Wishboard again. So how do you feel about this version of Lotus moving forward? Yeah, I mean, to me, this this just feels like uh, they just went with the idea of, like, never change a winning recipe, right? Like, it's, this deck just works. And they still running. So the Arboreal Grazer version, which is also, like, somewhat better against aggro because you've got the O3 blocker. Um, back to Arboreal Grazer, Sylvan Scrying, especially like one or two weeks ago. I think two weeks ago, I saw some people trying like Jeskai versions with uh, Approach of the Second Sun as their win condition. Yep. And they weren't running any way to find Lotus Field except for just draw cards, lol. Which to me seems like a really strange idea. So I really like the going back to Sylvan Scrying. 
Also gives you access to Balagat Recovery, also a great card in this deck once you're going off. I believe... Yeah, yeah, once you... Once you're going off, Balagat's Recovery into Hidden Strings will actually net you mana. If you've got two copies of Lotus Field out. So overall, it just seems... This just seems like the a more straightforward version to me and i really like it yep and a little bit of insight from ben himself if you go through this thread um they were asked uh this someone said congrats could you explain why you're playing haven instead of Baral, and the reason for removing omniscience as well thanks a lot and he replies omniscience is really win more unless uh unless you're playing approach and i'd rather not waste two cyborg slots when i could just be playing one haven is a lot better than borrow for uh brawl for me Brawl turns on the removal way too, uh, or way more than I would like, and Haven also goes nuts with Vizier. Um, that actually, that's a good point. Vizier being able to just untap your Haven, uh, and like it's like a it's like a tiny baby Lotus uh, combo or Lotus Field. I mean, so that's an interesting point. Um, I mean, it even goes for all of them. If you've got two Havens out, your Hidden String nets you two mana. Yeah, and they said in general that uh, another person brought up uh, uh, the Omniscience thing again. And he's like, yeah, I don't want to have to play Omniscience in order to win half the time. So I think those are fair th- reasonings. And um, I mean, how is it normally? You, ju- you just like keep going until you just win with Chase? Yeah, that's one way. Or you go Omniscience with Approach. Yeah, but like, the, so this person uh, is obviously just running Chase. Like the deck just is so, because there's only one parent to the Abyss too, but this deck is just so good at just going off that you'll be able to just go until your deck is empty and then play Chase. Yeah. I suppose there's a second pair into the abyss in the sideboard. So yeah, I do love the the nine lives in the sideboard just for those matchups. You're just like, I need to survive for a little bit, and you're like, I'll grab that. Okay, burn. Get. F-ed. I mean, nine lives can can just net you like two turns, which is probably enough. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. I like this list a lot. Um, I always feel like there should be one other like another masterminds acquisition but then i look at the four balagad recoveries i'm like oh okay never mind never mind we don't want we don't need that oh yeah of course that's one of the cards you could really use to keep going because you could just rebuy your parent to the abyss yeah this list is cool um part of me wants to play it in paper but another part of me just like i don't i don't feel like it (laughs) i I don't think this is this is a deck i'll ever pick up Uh, i've played storm and modern don't like it I don't see why I wouldn't enjoy this. Yeah, I mean, this is not the kind of combo deck I usually like. I mean, we all know how much I love Kethis, so that's typically what I enjoy playing. I just like the kind of combo decks that have so many different lines of play that you lose to your own decision-making half the time. Because it's, it's it's a challenge. And I mean, I feel like this deck's no different. True. Just like Storm. Yeah, but at least the way you... I mean, I guess the way Kethis won is a little bit more straightforward, too. This deck probably keeps you on your toes the whole time. Because there's no obvious, like, when, like with Kethis, at one point it became, like, deterministic, right? With, like, Luris and Hope of Gearper and those type of cards and Moxember. Oh, yeah. If, yeah, if you get the infinite loop, that's one thing. Yeah. But if, you, if you're, sometimes they grind with Kethis and, like, you're just, like, they only have, like, a couple of legendaries they're trying to keep filling the yard. It feels like this deck has no, um, no easy mode, right? You know, in, in Modern, when you're playing Storm, and let's say you play turn two Baral, and on turn three i think you needed to go ritual ritual gifts ungiven and if your opponent didn't have a piece of interaction there you could just grab the pile with past in flames gifts to rituals and you just couldn't lose mm. it's like it just determines it's over now i could just keep going and going and going and going and going and there's no way for you to stop like i, I can't whiff 
I feel like this deck always keeps you on your toes, so in that way it might be more interesting. Yeah, you can always whiff with this kind of decks. I mean, Kethos was the same way. Yeah, well, you can, you can always make mistakes. Even when you're going off, you can still make a mistake. You can still discard the wrong card or the pour over the page or pick something with strategic planning that you shouldn't have picked, and you could stumble. So in that way, it's probably more interesting. Bottlegood Recovery was such a great card, like a great addition for this deck. Called it. It's very good. It's a very good card. It's, a, it's an expensive uncommon. It reminds me of like Fatal Push back in that standard when they were like, when they were five bucks a piece. Oh yeah, wow. Yeah, I was going to get one for my commander deck um, and I was like... I, d- I already did, I think. So nice. I was like, eh, don't need it. Just a one of... Compensate for the Siren Storm colors. Running three Angers uh, in a Grafdigger's Cage. So, I mean, I think, yeah, bringing in like... The Wish thing is always confusing for me because like this list, I don't want to spend too much time on it. I mean, Cage is just sweet, right? Yeah. Well, I don't want to spend too much time on this list, but I keep looking at like... Remember they used to run like four Feybushes. Now this one's only running two. So like, does that change up your sideboard approach? Like, do you still bring in like two angers and leave one on the board so you have the wish target still? I mean, you probably leave one on the board because it just decreases your odds of finding it. That just maximizes your odds of finding an anger, especially because with Mastermind's acquisition, you could just search your library instead. True. If you find that one, you don't have to search the wish board, which is a nice, which is a nice change as opposed to Fey of Wishes. Where with Mastermind, you could just search in your library if you're like, yeah, I've, I've boarded it in. Or like, it's a thing I have in the main deck. Like, I'm just wanna, I am just want to find a Lotus Field here. Yeah, I, I think this this deck might get a bit more attention now. Yeah, to me, it just seems like, why would you build this deck any other way? Right? This has proven itself. Yeah, don't reinvent the wheel. And I don't see what changes in call time. Right? People wanted to try uh, Bergy. Clearly not good enough. Just keep doing this. I mean... I, I would encourage people to experiment, but like I don't if you just wanna have the better lotus list, this just seems like so much more straightforward. Rather than Bergy having you fiddle around with like a billion black mana you don't want to use, a uh, red mana you don't want to use. Yeah. I mean what what kind of effect would you even want? Like what kind of card would you be on the lookout for that gets printed in a future set? Which I mean, maybe Strixhaven offers something. This is the spell slinging set, apparently. So this might be the most likely set that gives Lotus an improvement, but what kind of card are you looking for to add in? I mean I saw someone uh I I was pinged on Twitter by someone. Um because there was a tweet by let me quickly figure that out. A tweet by someone called Barbarian's Riddle. And they said they were like excited to try the Izzet command in Grixis. So I was immediately pinged on Twitter. It's like, this guy mentions Grixis. It's like, cool. Yeah. And I uh, I tweeted at him like, well, where do you expect to see this being played? And he, first of all, he mentioned it's probably more likely a modern, but mentioned it might be a cool sideboard card for Storm. Because it does so much this, the Storm deck wants to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you could like kill Athalia or you could just keep going. You can shatter um, uh, a a damping sphere or you could just make the treasure because you'll you'll need it in the future like hey on end step i'm just gonna like shatter your damping sphere and just make a treasure so i can combo off easier that could be a card you want collective defiance is nice when your hand gets just like full of crap you could just wheel your hand away so that's a nice red card but i suppose in that case you'd rather just have um what is it the the one that makes you bottom the cards Falicut thingamabob i forgot my name yeah valgut's recovery or whatever Falicut's awakening oh yeah yeah, you're right. Yeah, so you just want to run that, but yeah, I don't really. Well, I'm think I'm I think I'm speaking more hypothetically. Like, yeah, what will you want printed? Well, I mean, I think you've 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 got what you would expect in red. Like, yeah, sure, faithless looting, I guess, but <laughs> we're never gonna get that. Well, is there any, is there anything in blue that you would want? Like, what about ponder? I mean, yeah, like obviously, one uh, cantrips like ponder would probably be 
pretty pretty damn good. Brainstorm. Well, there's no really. Well, there's some ways to shuffle, but not enough. Oh, brainstorm would be such an interesting card in this format because there's no fetches. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, before we wander off about that, we've got plenty of decks to talk about. Yep. Um, just go into a bit of the meta game breakdown. To you know, before we start talking about specific lists or maybe specific placements, the biggest decks showing up were Ors of Auras and Niftalite over the weekend. Then a reasonable showing from. Uh, decks like Mono Black Aggro, Rectal's Midrange, Rectal's Pyromancer, actually two separate decks. Uh, John Citadel still showing up. Uh, Naya Winoda. Um, kind of a lot of the decks we've you've been expecting, right? There's some showing of Demir Control being um, one of the few control decks. Also five color control, but that's called five color control, but it's fires. So there's just a lot of experimentation going on with the lists that we've already seen. It seems like people are really trying to innovate on existing archetypes. I don't really see a lot of new archetypes spawning at this point. Well, speaking of innovation, this is from a league, so take it with a grain of salt. You can run the, you can run it pretty easily for a 5-0. I shouldn't say pretty easily, but you have the ability to dodge bad matchups, things like that, a bit more consistently than you would in a challenge. This is a it's from the most recent one on the 8th. It's just white-black. It's humans. Um, but it's running Rally the uh, Rally the Ranks from Kaldheim, which I think is pretty cool. You got your Kite Cell Freebooter, Giant Killer, and Freighton's Thraven Inspector, Dallas Bodyguard. Um, oh, it's the, the Tuman Anthem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's also running another one from Kaldheim, um, Code Spell Cleric. It's a 1-1 one, one Vigilance uh, Human Cleric for 1. When Codespell Cleric enters the battlefield, it fills the second spell you cast this turn. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. I don't know why you would have this over other... That card's nice. Really? No, I quite like it. Yeah. You just... Um, I mean, I, I don't know if you need it because there's such a wide variety of one mana two ones. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, why would you want this? So you're putting in work for an extra point of toughness, but getting the ability to put the one one counter on like maybe a a creature that's more relevant, especially like given a certain matchup, like some relevance for some uh, some matchups or something like Soldier of the Pantheon is really good. Uh, it's really nice to get it on there. Uh, maybe getting, I mean, this deck doesn't run it, but usually something like getting your Kudro out of an Anger of the Gods range or something. Like it's it's nice to be able to know where you're gonna put the counter. But yeah, overall, I'm not sure if the the juice is worth the squeeze, as the saying goes. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth experimenting with. And they went 5-0, so well, I guess it's up for debate. But I, I don't know, I like looking through some of these... Uh... I mean, we had Ors of Humans in the previous meta. I, I played it a little bit, and I, I quite like the deck. Yeah. I think there's a uh, Corbin Hustler, is Hustler's last name, from uh, Cool Stuff Inc. He played, uh, he had a, he has a video series, I think, called Punting Pioneer. Yeah, And yeah. he ran a, just a straight-up white weenie list, and that actually performed quite well, too. So... A lot of people are probably inspired by White Weenie being so good in standard at the moment. We finally see a... I'm, I'm waiting to see one of these stupid lists pop up in a, a challenge, but here's another blue-white control list in the league. Um, this one's interesting. It's running a Teferi Master of Time in there, three Narset, three Hero Dominaria, one Elspeth Suns Champion. Alex, you'll uh, you'll enjoy this one. It's three Isolate main deck. Whew. Really, really sticking it to uh, Mono Black. And I guess uh, can kind of hurt Jund hitting their dorks, you know. Um, I guess mono green to an extent. So it's not the worst card. It's, it's still an instant, so that's nice. I mean, also nice to just 
have that early piece of interaction against auras. Yeah. When I try and like that's a that's a big weakness of blue white control. Let's see, open on a on a hateful Eidolon, and they'll never be able to interact because it's turn one. And then you just go um, play another land, slap a, an ethereal armor onto my um, my Eidolon, and then just keep up Karametra's blessing, right? And it's 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 super hard for them to ever get a foothold, especially if you then like untap on your turn after, just play an Elsid of Life's Bounty. It's like now I just have two pieces of protection. Then I'm gonna make it really hard for you to deal with my card. But sometimes, especially if you're blue white, right? They're gonna try and keep they they would keep like a one creature hand if it does that. And then if they play their one creature and you just go isolate. That is nice. That's a handful of crap, buddy. <laughs> Here's a now we've had this uh discussion a few times now, especially with how you're flipping around between what you're gonna run in your Grixis deck for your counter spells of choice. You're at what a two-two split of uh, void shatter and yeah. I'm currently running two two neutralized, two void shatter, and one disallow, which is a little bit all over the place. But so this person's running four syncopate. How do you feel about that? Syncopate's a card that I generally feel like only sees play in blue white because it's their form of two mana interaction because they don't have good two mana interaction. Right, generally they don't like things like seal away because it requires their, the opponent's creature to attack. So if your opponent plays a 2-drop, you don't actually get to immediately kill it. Mm. And this is generally what I feel like is their piece of 2-man um, interaction that, like, you know, something like a blue, uh, like a black base control deck. We'll, we'll just run Fado Push, Heartless Act, Eliminate in that slot. But Syncopate has some upside, uh, especially being good in matchups where you don't actually need your Fado Pushes, Heartless Acts, that sort of thing, as, as much like, like a Niv to Light matchup. Uh, it's very nice to just have the ability to literally just have like 10 counters in your main deck. Oh, another thing worth noting, this is a Yorian deck and um, runs Omen of the Sea, Omen of the Sun, ES, uh, ECD, and then Shark Typhoon, 33 lands. I never would have thought to go into the Yorian idea, 80 card control. It seems weird, at least for like blue-white. Oh, no, totally. People People did it at the start. Right when before the companion changed, like almost all control decks were Yorion decks. Yeah, but that's when you could freely cast it. But now with the the companion change, yeah, but you're you're a control deck. Who cares? Right, you're going to turn three hundred anyway, so it it's not as impactful. And what I really like about it in um, the context of a control deck is people always sort of joke about right how some control decks just run like only three offs and two offs mm-hmm. because they just like fiddle around with their like removal suite so much. The thing is, if you run a deck with a lot of two-offs and three-offs and that sort of thing, or maybe like you've got very interchangeable cards, right? Again, like there's a lot of there's a lot of cancels that are good. So there's not there's not one cancel with upside that is clearly better than all the others. And because of that, it's okay if that four-off becomes uh, a five. Uh, you just run another card to be your fifth copy. So it's really easy to actually turn your 60-card deck into an 80-card deck and don't take a big hit to your consistency. And therefore, your Yorion inclusion is not that hard. I remember when I ran Yorion um, in Ikoria, and at the time, my control deck, yeah, I had some four-offs, right, which were, uh, like, annoying to lose, like, that level of consistency. But a lot of cards were two-offs, three-offs, and I kind of just, my initial response was just, okay, every two-off will be a three-off, every three-off will be a four-off, and there's enough lands, different lands to make this work, so that doesn't matter either, especially now with the pathways. You just go to 80 cards. And my main gripe was that you lose consistency with your sideboard. 
which is what ultimately caused me to change how I built my deck because I wasn't seeing my sideboard cards often enough. There's one other deck from the leagues, and then I'll, I'll get off the league thing. Um, maybe two because I just see the color combination down there, but we'll see that, that it, what it is. There's an Abzan list, Alex. What do you think it's Abzan for? Do you see what it is? Is it a Rhino list? It's better than that. Oh, it's Soul Flayer. Yes. So it runs Satalpa. It's 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 not Abzan <laughs> at all. It's it's Golgari that runs in uncastable Satalpa. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Seeing Soul Flayer again makes me so happy because this deck is so much fun to play. Not fun at all to play against. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, how why is this deck fun to play? You just dump your deck in your yard and then you're like interactable creature go boom yeah it feels good to have a sulfur that's like it has flying double strike indestructible and then hexproof i've got his witch stalker in this deck too. oh yeah we like that <laughs> um i would also put garrick's harbinger in mine because it because the hexproof from black works god this is this is so the type of deck why i'm running soul shatter instead of hero's downfall yeah probably Imagine how sad they become. It's like, ah, your hero's downfall doesn't do anything. It's like, I don't There's a it. demonic embrace. Yeah, of course. Oh, I love it. In case it didn't have flying yet. Okay, what's this What's this X-File list? Oh, never mind. Ignore this one. This one's stupid. This isn't Mardu. This is Burn with a, with some black cards in the sideboard. So it runs four Blood Crypt and then the Blight's Death Pathway. Rakdos Charm. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. In case your mana base didn't hurt enough yet. Four mana confluence. Hey, you're burn. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I mean, it's a different way to go about it, right? Instead of running a chain to the rock stuff, you just go into black. And you just abandon the idea of running mountains because it no longer matters. Also, uh, Skullcrack and Screw the Critics main. And they drop they drop the uh, the two drop uh, wizard, the uh, Viashina Pyromancer. Uh, well, I know. Oh, there is still wizard. There's wizards, lightning, and eight wizards. That's, uh... Oh, my. That's gonna be a, that's gonna be casting a lot of open fires. Yeah. Is it open fire? Just a three mana deal three. It's from Amonkhet. You should know it. Um, I believe. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Open fire. Oh, it's from Hour of Devastation. Yeah, yeah. Amonkhet block. You should know. Yeah. It. I know the majority of them because I spent a lot of time looking through like my bulk cards and I'm like, ooh, because okay, do you get this thing where you're trying to find a card right and you're like, I know for an absolute fucking fact that I own this card. Where is it? And you have this this photographic memory playing in your head where you remember looking through this bulk section of cards that you never take apart. It's always the same order of cards every time you take it out and put it back because you're looking for a card. And you're like, I remember that card I'm looking for being between this picture and this picture of the card arts. Oh, no, my memory is way too bad for that. Oh, Brad, I can't tell you what I ate for dinner last night without having a good think about it. Like... <laughs> my memory is so bad so no i never have that which is an extra reason for me that i should definitely sort my bulk you should also probably keep a spreadsheet the, the problem is now that i have a lot of cards it's such a hassle to go back and do it i i did it when i opened dominaria i put everything in excel i mean that was so bad i put literally everything in there even comments and stuff oh why would you do why would you just that one's bulk don't count it no i i was at an lgs uh close it's closed now uh sadly and he said like you know uh he wasn't opening that much because like the store was very small blah, blah, and he generally just had like people going to the store buying like a box or two and then selling a lot of stuff back to him so he didn't really have to open his own boxes and he told me like just put everything in excel send it to me and i'll just i'll probably just buy the lot Right, but at least uh, effectively, like if you do the inventory for me, I'll just buy it off you, 
I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And then I typed it in. He never did. <laughs> Sad. I spent so much time sorting it all out. And then I one time had that Dominaria box. This is one box. And it's all sorted. And I tried to grab it off the top of a shelf and I dropped it. Mm. And now it's, it was all over the floor. And I just took a picture of it, sent it to my girlfriend, and the text was just... <laughs> As it should be. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I should ask the um, for the entire listener base, if you're listening to this, uh, go ahead and right now go back to the Reddit post, my Twitter, Alex's Twitter, the PlayAway Discord server, any way you want, and leave a comment, tweet at us, DM us, whatever, or DM me on Reddit, either way. How do you sort your cards? What is your way of doing it? Do you go all out using a spreadsheet? Do you make an actual like physical sheet? Do you just not sort your cards at all? Are you like me? And that's gonna be the yeah. That's gonna be the most common reply unless people are lying. True. Most people chuck it all in a box. Maybe they can be bothered to sort by set. Now, for those of you that do just throw it all in a box, are you like me and you have that photographic memory? Where you remember there being a specific card between two other specific cards, and you remember like the order of events because you always take out that same stack of cards. You look through it real quick, thumb through it. You see those same pictures flashing in front of you every single time you do it. And you put it back, and you do that so many times that you just remember the order of those cards. Like you can't name them, but you can see the art in your head. Or am I weird? Or are you like me? And do you think I need a Beast Whisper? I know I have a Beast Whisperer. <laughs> and then you go through a couple thousand cards because you have no idea where it is. And then you just buy a place it anyway. I have genuinely done that before where I was like, I need cards for a set for a deck. And there's like this bulk card that I know I have somewhere. I just can't be bothered. And I spend an extra buck and I order it. Yeah, that makes sense. There's probably cards that I have like 15 copies of just because I do that too often. I probably have about a thousand Llanowar Elves like just scattered around. Like The man who doesn't play green has so many green cards. <laughs> <laughs> has a lot of Llanowar Elves. <laughs> oh my God. At least you don't have anything super expensive like a um, like any alpha or beta edition cards just somewhere. And you're like, where? Where are they? <laughs> <laughs> that's like the dude that had um that had a, an account for bitcoin that he had like 400 bitcoin in an account that he cannot access he can't access it because he doesn't know the login and the password and the emails associated with is no longer existing he has no idea how to get to the account into the account oh no so he has millions of dollars in an account through bitcoin that he cannot access that is depressing Yes. Incredibly depressing. But let's talk about, continue to talk about things that isn't depressing. Um, <laughs> so I already mentioned the decks we, you know, the the the, the most common decks, like Noda, Niftalite, Ors of Auras. Now we can go a little bit about um, how to beat these cards. Now, trying to plug an old episode, and I don't know which one it is. It's probably going to be from a couple months ago. And we did an episode series about how to beat the top deck in Pioneer. And it's it spans, yeah, it spans two episodes, and it covers the top 10 at the time, which is actually relatively similar to what we have now. It covers Niftalite. Now, obviously, that's going to be very different because it's affected by bands, but it covers Niftalite. I know we cover Ors of Auras. I know we cover Lotus Field, Mono Black Aggro, where we also mention Mono Black Vampires. We mention Mono Red and Boral Spurn, mm -hmm. both. Yep. 
Uh, I know we mentioned Spirits, which isn't like the super most common deck now. And I think there's then like some Omnath-style decks, which are now all either non-existing or banned. Uh, but we do actually cover a fair amount of the most common decks and how to beat and sideboard cards you can use to beat them in every color and colorless. So there's probably gonna, there's there's more thought in that video than what we can provide now because we're doing it a little bit on the fly because the Sunday results came in an hour before we started recording. And for those of you uh, for reference, I'll put the links in the description. And they are called Understanding How to Be the Top Meta Decks, uh, Part 1 and Part 2, from December 10th, 2020 and December 18th, 2020. We're pretty consistent, though. The first episode was an hour and 55 minutes and 44 seconds. The second one was an hour and 54 minutes and 29 seconds. Off by a minute, baby. It was great. <laughs> but looking at the first deck, I might have to eat my words. I still say I gave myself a 90-day grace period to see how everything shapes up, and I'm still holding to that. We're through day, We're through the first 30 days of Kaldheim. Um, and Nif is one of the most played decks. Definitely is. And again, we if we get to the point where it is definitely around and it continues to be at this top spot, I will admit I was wrong. I definitely put a lot of uh, faith in Teferi and Uro holding that deck together. Um we'll see but it is currently one of the top played decks listed at the most played deck at the moment but it's so hard to give you an exact way to beat it i mean it's kind of similar no matter what right if you can just stop their quote-unquote early game or their ability to have the mana access that they need but there are so many different builds there are so many different builds they're all just jumbled messes and I'm sure the Niv to Light Discord server is up in flames at all times trying to figure out an actual list to stay on. <laughs> it's like SpongeBob and his brain where they're all burning the files running around. <laughs> I imagine that's the server trying to just be like, what What do we play as our 75? And everyone's just like yelling at each other. 75 and then some people start shouting it's a 95. And then that, that, that debate lights up at oh first. Oh my god, yes. There's some Yorion version. It's like, Yorion, Gigantha, Yorion, Gigantha. And then they shout that over at each other. What do you think is best, Brad? Best build? Yorion or Gigantha? Oh, Yorion. Um, I, I think it's Yorion. It gives you ways, It gives you extra cards to play. Um, I mean, we're, I'm looking at one right now that went 6-1 by Dreams of Ashiok, who we see all the time in these these challenges and stuff. Um, this one doesn't run either. No companion. It's just straight up. But it's running Tulsmere. Those are all cards I can definitely be like, yeah, run them. Especially Kalidus. I mean, Kalidus is nice in this deck because you can tutor it up. I have been throughout Pioneer. Yeah. I have been so disappointed by Kalidus. And I end up, like, cutting him every time. And just thinking, like, I want something better than this. You say that until you play Elves against my mono black Vampire list, and you're like, Kalidus. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. In some matchups, Kalidus is great, but I felt like so many of the like meta decks we want to bring in were just prepared, right? Mon Mono black aggro is prepared to deal with a Kalidus. Like burn, especially when they run chain to the rocks, they they anticipate Kalidus. And if you tap out for a four drop and your opponent spends one mana to deal with it, you're 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 toast. That's why, like, I just kept being disappointed by Kalidus, but especially being able to tutor it up, or especially having a way to just like, I mean, there's matchups where he's like incredible sure if elves becomes like the premier aggro deck you probably want to play it then again you just play a board wipe <laughs> you're fine if i have if i have any advice 
for Niv players out there. And this is coming from someone that's not a Niv player at all. But I need you to listen to me. Because what I'm saying is the truth. And you must hear it. Play Yasharn. Play Yasharn. As a one of, two of, I don't give a fuck. Play it. Because that card dumpsters Jund so hard that it makes it just a, a much easier matchup. Without Yasharn, because I played test against Niv a few times on Jund Citadel, I thought Niv would be a horrible matchup for Jund. Turns out it's a favorable one unless they have Yasharn. It swings the matchup so greatly that, yeah, you, you got to run it as a one of tutor target in the deck for the main. Doesn't it mess you up? I mean, I suppose it disables. I mean, all it does is disable Fabled Passage, but you can find two basics when he enters. Yeah, and it's a, a plains and a forest. So like, nice. It's good. It's a good card. And it's just a four. So this is what happens. You play a Sharn, and then I'm sitting there as the Jun player, game one, being like, I don't have any way whatsoever to kill this main deck. So now I have to figure out. To and then you look at the sideboard, and like, I have no way of dealing with this card in my sideboard either. Oh, but I do. I have Noxious Grasp and Assassin's Trophy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I can definitely do. But I mean, again, in game one, you're staring down at your shard, it's a 4-4, four, four, where all of your creatures are 1-1s, one 2-3s, one 3-2, two 3-3, three three, three. and you're like, I guess I have to go wide and try to swing in, which, I mean, I was able to kind of keep up a little bit against your shard in these matchups, but it went from being I win pretty easily against Niv to I can't do anything. And, the, and then they start playing other big threats, like they'll play, if they're playing Yorian, they can drop Yorian, of course, they can play Omnath, they can drop Niv himself, um, things like that, or just Sylvan Carrington as another roadblock. So as you're forced to just like hopefully try and just poke through damage and do something, they're like, big thing, big thing, big thing, big thing. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> so yeah, go to game two. Cool. Um, yeah, Yasharn is so good. And I'm telling you. And I, f I feel like, I mean, this is actually Dreams of Ashiok has it in the, in the deck. Yes. So... You know, it has been heard. Um, that is also an element that I do like about the Yorion list. And I know, I know this is kind of a trap where you're thinking like, if I can go Yorion, I could put more toolbox cards in my deck. Greedy. But that is probably more me being like, I can put all these cute, stupid cards. <laughs> yeah, you can run Nicol Bolas. Ooh, four mana Bolas. Which the old list did, remember? That was actually the only time in Pioneer that people played Siege Rhino. They occasionally run Siege Rhino in Niv. Yeah, it was before Omnath. And then came Omnath out. was printed, yes. Lameo. <laughs> yeah, before Omnath came out, they're like, yeah, we'll do like Nickel Bulls, the Ravenger, and then do like, you know, Siege Rhino. That's cute. Or a Rhino. And it's like, yeah, but you can't hit it with Niv. And it's like, yeah, but it's a good card to tutor up with Bring to Light. And then Omnath came out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll do that instead. And I like, I just, again, this is where it's so confusing for Niv because you look at some versions of the list, right? This one's running three Niv Mizzet. That's the standard. It's what we're used to. And a bunch of targets that Niv can hit, and as well as just one of targets for, you know, your uh, your bring to light to hit, right? But then you get into the more black-based ones that run, like, one Niv, and then it's, like, a bunch of, like, Shadows Verdict and, like, your pushes and things like that. And it's just, is that even Niv to light at that point, or is it just mono-black bring to light? <laughs> That's what it feels like. 
Um, I mean, it's more Soul Tire Bring to Light, what I've seen. It feels like it's almost Soul Tire Bring to Light. Well, yeah, I'm just saying, like, it, the base is black. Yeah, but those versions also like, run Valky, and it's like, Niv is just not your most important card anymore. No, and you can still bring to light Valky. Especially because those are Valky lists, right? Yeah. So they're like, yeah, I'm going to bring to light for Valky. Unless I need more value, then I'm going to bring to light for Niv. But it seems like their default way to go is bring to lighting for Valky. Yeah. Which is still good, and we still see some... Uh... I mean, you only need two different colors, right? This is what we talked about. But I, I figured it was going to be with Asika. That's why initially, my initial take was like, yeah, they're going to be like Sultai grindy versions with Asika. Turns out, they're all just Sultai grindy versions that can go into five colors for Valky. When I totally didn't consider how that actually how that interaction works. It's I mean, this deck also runs Asika. And a Valky. And I feel like in that way, it just has... It has the best ones as the one-offs, which is why this list is just clean, right? One Tolsmir, one Yasharn, one Omnath, one Kalidus, one Asika, one Valky, two Clothis, actually, which I think is an interesting include. And aside, so, which I feel like is an okay number of cards to have that are toolboxy, especially because most of them are also fine by themselves. The only one that I feel like is really kind of crappy by itself is Asika, where I feel like everything else is respectable. Yeah. Yasharn is a 4-mana 4-4, four, four, and it just grabs you, like, a land or two, which is fine. And, I mean, looking at, like, that same challenge that this one won, that Dreams of Ashiok won, number 8 is a Soltai control list that runs 3 Valky, 4 Bring Delight. And it's not even Soltai at that point. It's literally, this is just Demir. Yeah. This is Demir that runs a few green lands to, to cast Bring Delight. Bring Delight is the only green card in the entire 75. <laughs> it is Demir control. Valky, which begs the question, Alex, would you rather play, if you're going to play a Demir control Valky list, would you rather play the straight up Demir, maybe splashing a little bit of red for like K command, Nicol Bolas, and just the fact that you can possibly cast, um, you know, Tybalt, should you need to, and then release to the winds as your way to just flash, not even flash, exile Valky, and then cast the other side for free with Tybalt. Would you rather play the Sultai? Can I be boring and say that I don't give a crap about either? Well, that's not what the question is, like, sir. Okay, if I have to, I'd go with the Release to the Winds one, because it's the cheesier one, which I feel like is the upside. If it's like, if you're going to warp your Demir control deck in order to play Bring to Light to get out of Valky, pay one mana more, Hardcast a Shark Typhoon, the card's insane. Yeah. Like, I, I, don't, I don't see why a control deck has to put that point, like, has to bend over backwards to cast a Valky for five mana. What if you draw Valky? Um, it's not even a good card for a control shell. Oh, wait till, wait till I get to seven mana. It's like the Hearthstone meme. Just wait till I get to ten mana. Like, it just... I don't know. I don't see why you have to bend over backwards. Just play Shark Typhoon in that case. Or or play the Valky release to the wind one, because that actually gives you a Tybalt on turn three. Now, that is some cheese, right? <laughs> like, if you get a Tybalt on turn three, like, now you're actually doing something like you could stumble your way into, like, this turn three win, effectively, which you just can't do if you're fairly casting Valky for five. Just hold up a counterspell and play Shark Typhoon on six. God, this... I still love it. I still love the release of the wins. I know you hate it because it's just, like, so stupid, but that's why I like it. I, uh... I mean, I, I, I get that deck. I get the release to the wins one. 
Because you're thinking like, I just want to, I want to up my win percentage by occasionally stealing a game. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my deck, like you, you just like have to balance him, right? Like sometimes you're going to lose a game because you draw like three copies of release to the wind. You're like, what do I do with this card? But sometimes you just stumble your way into a win on turn three. And it just like balancing, like, hey, is this trade-off? Like what's hap- what happens more often? My turn three win? Or am I flooding on release to the winds and like being like, what type of weird draft deck did I build? This one is just like, I'm going to be fair and play a Tybalt for five mana. Like, no, <laughs> that's what that, that's Niv's thing. Yeah, we even said that Tybalt for five mana, like if it was just Tybalt and there was no Valkyrie on the front side, that might be fair. <laughs> just be OK. Yeah, like five, like Tybalt for five mana is, is fine. It's probably good. Yeah seeing it a little bit in action like i would say my verdicts change a little bit like it's it's good falky for five mana would be good but it wouldn't be like back breaking so it's not something i would try and build my deck around one thing i want to bring up real quick because i thought of it did i tell you how i accidentally got foil valkies when i did not order them in foil no so i, I ordered two valkies for my uh jun delirium list because you can you know tutor up valky with traverse even bold which is nice. So like late game, if like there's nothing to do. So for only eight mana. Okay, look. Well, it's like where you would, it's like where you would normally tutor up an Emrakul. Yeah, except I'm also running Emrakul. <laughs> 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 um, I got foils of them. And you know, we've had an issue in the last year or two where foils are Pringles. Pringles. And, okay. Do you know how you can fix it? It's just like, anti-moisturizer stuff or something you, you just put it in a box you put it in a box with it and it's like oh the, the the humidifier thing i mean yeah that's one way yeah yeah but no because you know what cards are always in perfect condition for foils when i get them the modals because they're foiled on both sides so all we have to do is start foiling the magic backs <laughs> and it's fixed <laughs> wasn't that the yeah because we didn't have modal cards so that, or at least like yeah, we, or we didn't have it with like the bad print quality because that was always the meme where, where if you would foil it on both sides, your card would just split. The card's perfectly flat. It's great. There's no curling whatsoever because they're both foiled. So it's like, okay. Yeah, but it would feel like if it foils both sides, it would just like curl outwards both ends. Your card would just split it, it too. It doesn't. It doesn't. It looks good. <laughs> I promise. Valky's not the only modal I have that's, uh, that's foil. I have a few of them, like from Zenikar for like my uh, my commander deck. But yeah, just start foiling the, the magic back. Now, I don't know what that does for legality. Like, does that... Because, you know, because do they, do they have to... That stuff... I'm, okay. I'm, I wanted to say that stuff never works for casuals, but mode of double face cards don't work for casuals anyway, because yeah. you can see what's on the back of your card. So I guess they'd have to like force... I don't Well, I mean, for the modals, you can force someone to use the, uh, the checklist blank card or whatever and then take it out from the side. But they start foiling everything, because, like, sleeves aren't technically required in tournaments. So that'd be a way of, like, marking your cards, because you'd have some with foil backs. Yeah. Um, so I guess they'd have to just, like, say that sleeves are mandatory in tournaments now. Is that a fix? Like, would that fix that? Or you just, or you could just say, like, hey, I, I have this foil card. I mean, you would, you would use a... You would just use a checklist card anyway, right? If you're playing without sleeves, or if you're playing with see-through sleeves, you would you would be playing with yeah replacement cards anyway. So I don't think it matters. Or if you foil your entire deck, <laughs> no problem whatsoever. <laughs> Everything's shiny. 
No marking your cards here. That's the junt way of fixing your problem. Oh man. But yeah, I figured it out. Um I'm I'm slowly working on foiling out a bunch of decks just because it's fun. I would just just never do that. How dare you? Just a waste of money. I can buy two decks. Enjoy your two decks while I have one really pretty one, okay? Yeah, that no one cares about except other people that foil their decks. I care. Me. Because you, you get to look at the shiny while you play. I do, and it makes me so happy. <laughs> the look on Brad's face was like, yes, yes, it makes me really happy to look at the shiny. Yes, because like it feels so good. Because again, I come from Yu-Gi-Oh! Where like, I would go and say, I need, I need this one card for my deck. I'm like, what version do you want? I'm like, uh, I'm like what, what version? The shiniest. Yeah, like, what, what versions are available? There was like, well, there's, this printing only has a common and a super rare. Okay, how much is the common? So 42 cents. Sure, makes sense. How much is the super rare though? Because that one's shinier. That one's nine dollars, and you're like, I'll take the super rare <laughs> every time because why? Because you need to flex. <laughs> That's the whole point of Yu-Gi-Oh. Okay, okay. I I will say with the pathways, I went for the full arts. Bye, Craig. Fine, I don't give a shit. And... We're recording our other way anyway. <laughs> and and the backup <laughs> left, but I suppose the normal program yeah. should work. Um, <laughs> Crex is like, I'm not needed here. Just <laughs> this is <laughs> And I like the FNM promos, but well, I mean, let's see. So some other some other lists we could start talking about before we go off topic way too often, as we always do. But foils are great. <laughs> we will never. We will agree to disagree, Brad. Um, one list that's been popping up, and it's showing a couple of copies every time is Junt, and you have been playing this deck. John Citadel. Yes. I've played against it. I hated it. Yeah. Yeah, you did. But what what was your experience playing it except for crushing my dreams? Um so I've played it a few more times on the server. I also rented it on Moto and played a few pickup games on there. I'll probably play a league or two with it to get a better feel of the deck. Um yeah, the deck's super good. Um it's really versatile and it's really uh, what's the word? um resilient yes thank you it will not die and it's interesting because except everything dies over and over <laughs> but the deck won't <laughs> yeah because how many times were we playing alex where you're like kill your thing kill your thing kill your thing and i'm like cool i play another thing it's like okay i know i thought about it um recently how it feels like as control playing against the deck because everything, like, when it dies, you like, get a scry, you get a ping, or you can you can sack it to a priest or something. It's like every creature in your deck has Bonecrusher Giants text. <laughs> Where if I target it, I take damage. Yeah. And it's just like, after I kill 10 of your creatures, I'm dead, even if they didn't get to attack me. Yeah, because there are a few games that we played where, like, I never resolved Citadel or did anything really crazy. I just kind of curved out and did my thing, got in a few attacks. and you're... You hardly attacked me, and I was just dead at one point. You didn't even realize. You were like, wait, you're at four? Yeah. I'm like, what the <laughs> f*** happened? Because I just glanced up, and you're like, I don't know. I've just been clicking. <laughs> You regularly forgot to attack, and I would just die anyway. Yeah, was... I very I, I, the one person with the Eldrazi Scion was perfect. So Brad gets a Scion of his um, his Catacomb Sifter. Yeah, and I wasn't sure like if it was if it's the new or the old Scions that are O ones rather than one ones. So I and Brad just passed his turn without attacking. And I'm like Brad, this, are those Scions? Are they are they O ones or one ones? 
And he's like, yeah, yeah, there are one ones. It's like, oh, okay, okay, sure. And I go on my turn. And you, and, you know, I do, I play land whenever I pass. You attack, no, you have your catacomb sifter and your scion, and you just pass. And I'm like, are you planning to attack me at any point, Brad, or what? <laughs> And I straight up was like, that's a thing I can do. Yes, I forgot about that. I forgot that there was an attack step in this game. Yeah. <laughs> well, because like I'm so focused on like, I need my Citadel to resolve. And I, I was like, I was thinking really like about what I had in hand. And if I had a Citadel, a Coco, and I had some creatures, right? And I kept thinking like, he's playing control. He has counters. I need to get the counters out of his hand. So I'm going to try and play threats that make sense in the context of the lines that are available from his perspective to where I'm trying to bait him out and get him to counter these cards that are threatening, but not the threat. So I was like, okay, I'm so focused on that that I just forget to fucking attack. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, is, is a bad thing to forget about, but... Has damage on the board that you leave, but it, it, it didn't matter. As 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 control, you always have the excuse. If you don't attack, and they're like, "Why aren't you attacking?" It's like yeah. playing around haste. Uh, <laughs> sir, I'm mono. Oh wait, never mind. We we have haste now. We have haste creatures. They all have haste. <laughs> yeah. What is with green getting everything? Stop it! Stop giving green haste. I mean, animal is angry, runs fast. Cheetah. Yeah. They they should make up a new one that's like exert. But like not, it's just like a special haste where like it's haste, but it's it's exerted basically for a turn. So it can it can attack the first turn, but then not the turn after. Yeah, it's it's tapped. Yeah, that's probably going to be a thing one day. It's like dash, but it doesn't go back to your hand. Yeah, just stays tapped. Another deck that was showing up, well, showing up, I put a copy in the in the March 6th. So that's the Saturday challenge. It's actually yet another person playing Phoenix, Brad. The occasional phoenix. Is this the beginning of the end, or is this deck actually... Like, it's nice. I feel like the end times start with people playing phoenix. I mean, it's it's phoenix. It, you'll, it has the problem it's always had, right? And I don't think it's going to change unless we get some super form or super consistent form of uh, cycling or whatever, like a, like a faithless looting for Pioneer, you know? And the problem is always the same. Some games... You go off, you get four Phoenix in the bin in the top 15 cards of your library. Other games, all four Phoenixes are on the bottom 15 cards of your library. So that problem does not change. And of course, you can kind of fix that with running things like Crackling Drake as a backup plan, um, which I'm still a huge fan of Crackling Drake. I think it's such a cool card. And I love that it counts your exile too. Um, and yeah, you can, you can do other things, but then you become a poor man's version of like you know a is it blitz deck in modern basically kind of not even so the deck is so inconsistent is the problem which is weird because the cards are there and the consistency is there in the sense of like i will always cast my strategic planning yeah or my ops or like my things but when you're centered around getting these four cards in the bin that's where the consistency issue is, even with cards like Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time being available for you. We just need Buried Alive, Brad. No, I'm good. <laughs> I, I would rather have Faithless Looting. For the uninformed, Buried Alive is a card that was played in Legacy Phoenix, and it's two and a black. You just search your library for three cards, put them in the bin. So you would go like turn one, land, Dark Ritual, Cabal Ritual, or some other Dark Ritual, Dark Ritual, Buried Alive. You'd move to combat, you'd get three Phoenixes. Yeah, just just a strictly better foolish burial. Yeah, that's fine. 
whatever. Foolish Burial is a spell card in Yu-Gi-Oh. That's just, um, there's no mana cost because <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh. But you play it and uh, you get to add one card from your deck to your graveyard. I mean, we've, we've got... Which is a in awesome card. Magic, we have that too. It's called uh, Entomb. Is it one mana? Yeah. One black for an instant. Nice. But, you know, if it was zero mana. Yes. Oh, zero mana Entomb. That would definitely not be a problem. No, not at all. No. Zero mana reanimate? Hey, yeah. yeah. Zero mana, anything's fine. You know, we, we love zero mana cards. Could you imagine playing Gristlebrand by just sacrificing two creatures? Ugh. <laughs> What's that modern deck that runs the... Um, it, it, it's the it's cheat-out Gristlebrand, I think. It's the one that... Oh, you mean the deck that died? The, yeah, you sack... Because they banned Simeon Spirit Guide. Oh, is that? No, you... Neoform. No, 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 no. It's the, um... It's the, it's the card that can run any copy or any number of copies in the deck. And it's like a witch or whatever. And you, it has the effect of like you sack three of them. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. The Apostle of uh, something like that. Yeah. That. I know what you mean. I want that kind of deck in Pioneer. Actually, is that card legal in Pioneer? I think that card actually is. Um, Apostle. What is it called? <laughs> Alex, you should know these cards. Shadowborn Apostle. It's from M14, which I think it's just not Pioneer Legal. Oh, I think I think it is Pioneer Legal. Oh, wait, it is. Yeah, M13 wasn't. Yeah, so Shadowborn, you can build a Shadowborn Apostle deck and lose because it's a really bad card. Yeah, uh, the problem is we don't have a... Thrumstone. A Gristlebrand to cheat in. Yeah, there's not a, there's not that type of demon to cheat in. And you're like, you don't have Thrumstone. Is it Thrumstone or something? All right, Scryfall, Scryfall we go. Razaketh. Because we're doing it live, baby. Advanced search. Runescar demon. Razaketh is cool. Okay, type. Demon. Legal in. Pioneer. Search. Okay, let's see cool demons. We have a Born Overlord. I've never seen this card. It's a five, seven mana, five and two black, six, six flying demon. That's expected, you know. Um, when a Boron Overlord enters the battlefield, put a number of 1-1 black harpy creature tokens with flying onto the battlefield equal to your devotion to black. <laughs> no. Um, I'm an Eternal. Yes, we want the Crocodile. Uh, Burning Rune Demon. Nope. Arcfiend. No. Demon War Bells in the Lock. Eh. Demon of Catastrophes. And eh. Demon of Dank Memes. No. Demon of Loathing. No. Arcfiend of Depravity. Uh, no. Meanwhile, I'm just looking up the next deck we'll be talking about when Brad's done with his demon rant i love demons and magic i wish we had a demon deck e easter of hope <laughs> i wish it was, it's eater of hope but i, I read it as easter <laughs> uh six four seven is a creature blah, blah blah nope that's bad enemy of enlightenment nope frenzied raider nope embodiment of agamies nope herald of anguish no lord of the void it's a seven mana seven seven flying when it Deals common damage to a player, exile top seven cards of the player's library, and then put a creature card among them. I mean, that, if that had haste, yes. Does not have haste, so no. Kothafed, Soul Hoarder. The name's cool. Whenever a permanent owned by another player is one of the graveyard from above, that's bad. Very bad. Obnixilis, original OG Obnixilis. No. We, there is no, like... I mean, Razaketh at least can do something on entry, right? Like, you just pay the two life. But do you have another creature at that point? Maybe not. Another Apostle, if you happen to have seven. Uh -huh. um, yeah, there's not that many demons in Pioneer, now that I'm looking at it. There is like a total of, it's it's one page. There are 59 demons, and one of the 59 is Westfell Abbey. Now, if you could somehow, get, if, if, 
if you could get Ormendal, Profane Prince. I mean, man, once you've got five or six apostles on the board, I'd probably just sack him to get Ormondal. <laughs> yeah, dude, that. So you might as well just get six tokens instead of six Shadowborn apostles. We have OG Rakdos. That's cool. Is just Lord of Riots? Yeah. Mindrack Demon? It's um, Sire of the Abyss or something. Uh, Ooh. Pioneer Legal. Sire of Insanity. No. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> Each end step each player discards his or her hand. Oh, that's funny. What's Shadowborn Demon? Five mana, five, six. When Shadowborn Demon enters the battlefield, destroy target non-demon creature. Cool. It's like a chupacabra, I guess. At the beginning of your upkeep, if there are fewer than six creature cards in your graveyard, sacrifice a creature. Ooh, that's not good. Ooh, what is Rakasha Vizier? All right, the so before Demon. Brad... Whenever one or more cards Brad, put into... Can I ask you to stop? What? What? Before we're doing a live deck building. Yeah... Because I want to touch, I want to touch on, you know, a, a, a favorite of the podcast. You know, a a fabled deck that we have yet to see in like, we we've we have yet to see it live up to its name. It's Naya Midrange, <laughs> <laughs> ending second in the Sunday challenge. We just see this deck occasionally pop up, but like it's not even in the other challenge. Sometimes it's there, suddenly there's four copies, sometimes it randomly wins or gets close to winning a challenge. What's up with this deck? I think it's just a roll of the dice, kind of. I mean, you mentioned it's not in the other challenge, I think it's interesting. I got second place in this one. I, I still think, I've said it before, I, I've been a big um, uh, advocate for this deck. It's, and if you don't know by now, it's Naya Winota, not f***ing midrange. <laughs> And I, it's weird because if you go to the actual uh, metagame list for Pioneer on Goldfish, it calls it Naya Winota on the on the page. But then in the individual challenges, it's mid range again. I don't I don't get why. But this deck is so cool, and it's a deck that I'm happy is in the format. And it's not the most fun to play against at times um, when they just beat you with Winota. But th that's just how the deck works. It's a good deck. And I can't really give you an exact reason as to why it just is so inconsistent with its showings. Because, um, look, there were three mid-range decks, three Winota decks, in, um, in top 32 of this challenge where it got second place. It got second, sixth, and 23rd. Um, oh, wait, no, Alex, it was in the other challenge. Oh, was on the it? Sixth. It was 10th oh, and 23rd. I... Yeah, 10th and 23rd, two copies. I just looked on the side and I couldn't find it in the metagame breakdown. Oh, yeah, Naya Winota, where it's actually called Naya Winota, too. Yeah. You gotta love it. So it was there. I'm just blind. So, yeah, this deck is good. It's a good deck. And I think the, the build has been relatively consistent, right? I already like the 10th place from Saturday so much more than the 2nd place from Sunday. Let's see. Why are you only running 3 Angras Marauder? Why are you only running 3 Eldritch Evolution? I don't get it. Yeah, that is a little weird. Like, Eldritch Evolution is great in the deck, right? Well, they were running, they were prioritizing the elves, I think. And Angras Marauder is just the main hit. That's like the hit you want. Asika's Chariot is, is I think, kind of cute in this deck. I find, I do find, what is this card? Immer, Immerse, Immersturm Raider. Two mana, two one, Demon Berserker. When ends better, you may discard a card if you do draw a card. I don't see why this card is in this deck. Why? Why not play... You don't want to play Rick's Money Reveler because this is not a human. Oh, it... Because it's a human. Which is what you want. But I just... Yeah. This is the... This card just seems weird. I got to rummage, boys. 
I mean, it's it's either it's either you play this card or you play um, the fire fire prophecy, right? As like that effect. What do you want a fire prophecy exactly? Well, you're Angus Marauder, but like, but this this discards it. Let you get it back at a later time. This just see this just seems odd to me. Yeah. But like, aside from that, I just like more running the Ungrass Marauders and the Eldritch Revolution. The other list runs. What does it run that this card doesn't? The list on the Sunday runs way fewer lands, which I find interesting. Running two fewer. Um, it runs more Bone Crusher Giant than the other list. There's like the, the main difference is the Immerse, Immerse Storm Raider and the Eldritch Evolution and the Marauder numbers, where I feel like I do want the higher numbers. But again, I, I, I haven't played this deck, but I just don't see why you, why you wouldn't want that. But I do find a really cool card in the side list is Lantern Scout, which is a 3-mana three 3-2 three human, human scout ally. Rally. When Lantern Scout or another ally enters the battlefield under your control, creatures you control gain lifelink until end of turn. Imagine flipping this if you're against Burn. You go your Shout out to the uh, showdown of the skulls in the sideboard, though. That's cool, yeah. But you get the Lantern Scout. Hey, imagine you attack with Winoda and like another human and some other crap. You flip an Angras Marauder, your opponent's like, ooh, this is going to be bad. Then you flip a Lantern Scout, it's like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Just gain 30 or whatever. Remember when um the uh old historic version of this this deck and this is my this is what I love about bannings because I've mentioned this before. Remember, sometimes bannings for top decks creates a more streamlined version of the deck by accident and makes it better. Hogak is an example. They ban bridge from below, uh bridge from below. And it made them more focused on just getting Hogak out as fast as possible, as opposed to doing this extra plan B thing. And it made the deck better. When Node is an example, when they banned Agent of Treachery. Because... People decided I should just be hitting you in the face. Yeah, and you go Ingress Marauder. And like, yeah, I'll hit you for double the damage. Agent of Treachery is still cool, but this is definitely better. Which... Yeah, I'd, I'd, I would be interested... I mean... Man, at this point, you're playing, like, four-color Winoda. But I would be somewhat interested in trying something with Eldritch Evolution. I know not uh, with uh, Neoform. Oh, yeah. No, they used to they used to run both, I thought. Yeah, I was also thinking that. But they were already trimming on Eldritch Evolution mm -hmm. sometimes, so I guess they just really don't need it. Yeah, I think sometimes... I mean, you can just curve out sometimes, right? Brad, could you pull, a, pull an Oops All Spells here? Go 80 cards, run more tutors? Well, I suppose there you could tutor for a three or a four drop, which is why it worked to have both because you had a three drop to go up with and a four drop, and this needs a four drop specifically. We don't have a baby Winota that only goes digs like the top four at three mana. So mini Noda. The fact that it digs for every attack trigger is so so crazy to me because like I didn't realize that like early on when this deck was first a thing like in historic and standard where like they tack. And there's one trigger, and I'm like, okay, cool. You get to look at the top six, whatever. Hopefully, you whiff. And all of a sudden, I just see Arena go. <laughs> there's like all these, all these tr uh, triggers, and I'm like, um, what? And I read the card again. I'm like, what the? Well, I find the crazy, uh, the craziest thing about Winoda is that she doesn't have to attack. Yeah, <laughs> it's everyone else. And then, um, and the best part is like, it took me four or five reads to finally understand that it gives all the creatures indestructible. <laughs> 
So it's actually fine if you find another Winoda. It's like, I guess I'll swap it for an indestructible one. Oh my god. And I gink any. Yeah. It's a good deck. It's I've been saying it for a while. It's been an underrated deck for me. And now that we don't have Uro and Oops All Spells and things like that, it finally can shine. And uh, it's a good deck. You should definitely play it if you like this kind of deck, if you like this style and the fact that... It's also an exciting deck. Yeah. You know, like, if if, if you like... Uh, it's another night. If you like playing Mael in Commander, which I actually do, so maybe I would enjoy uh, Winoda. Like, if you like playing, like, the... You know, rubbing your hands, let's see what we get this time. Yeah. If you like the moments where people, like, flip the top card of their deck, you know, deciding whether they win a game or not, like, they're about to lose, they just open flip the top card of the deck. Like, Winoda, just as a deck, just does that the whole game. Like, every time it draws, it should just open slam it. <laughs> I've been telling Adrian for, like, a year now that I think he should play Winoda and Pioneer because he loves Pummel so much. I've always felt like that would that was a similar type of deck, but it's just, you know, more efficient because you're not relying on the energy package and stuff. Um, yeah, this deck is so cool. And we'll get and the mana base is great now with these pathways and stuff. So, like... Yeah, only need one mana confluence. Just must feel great. Can you imagine how Pioneer's going to look when we finally get the rest of the cycle of the Fastlands and Painlands? And the Triomes. Okay, yeah, sure, the Triomes. But the, the Fastlands and Painlands? <laughs> <laughs> God, like, the, we already are so close to perfect mana. I mean, it's kind of funny, right? Because, I mean, it's, it's still much better. Uh, but we, when Pioneer was introduced, we banned the fetches. Mm. Probably part of the reason would be, like, mana's too good. Mana's great now, too. It's more punishable, but are we are we at one point going to get to the point where like man, maybe we need Blood Moon? Maybe we need a at least maybe not Blood Moon, but we need a better card to punish greedy mana. I'd be okay with Magus of the Moon being Pioneer Legal. Is it a two two? Either a two two or a two one. Because then like it becomes like really easily killable. Yeah, which is which is a good thing, right? I can imagine people doing cute stuff like putting shocks in their sideboard, even though they're not red decks, just to be able to kill Magus of the Moon. I'm pretty sure it's a 2-2 or 2-1. Yeah, yeah, it's a 2-2. I looked it up real quick. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can, I can imagine we needing... I mean, a, a card that I talked about, like, actually when we did the, like, how to beat the top 10 decks, and I said the card was mostly bad because of 3 Fairy, and I still think it's bad for other reasons. Maybe, like, a card like Burning Earth, but better. So... Isn't it the 4-mana enchantment that blows up a thing? Or they, they lose, life for, lose life for tapping mana. It's, it's mana burn. Yeah, they... Yeah, exactly. Effectively, people get mana burned for non-basic lands. Well, whenever a land, uh, whenever a player, remember when these type of things were symmetrical, whenever a player taps a non-basic land for mana, burning earth deals burning earth deals one damage to that player, and it's four mana for an enchantment. And it's it's a good way also to punish people mm. who like run pathways when they really don't have to. And it's like, yeah, but it's free. Yeah, instead of running a basic of that color, you just go, okay, I'm running the four of these that happen to have the other side of the color that I want. Yeah, if it's like, if I have six islands and I'm running a, you know, I mean, obviously you would anyway, but let's say you're playing six mana, I'm playing a Demir deck, or I'm playing a blue deck that has like a couple of black cards. Why shouldn't four of my islands be pathways? Exactly. Why shouldn't I just, because it's, it's as opposed to, the checklands or shocklands or something like Fable Passage or Fetid Pools, the pathways are effectively free. Like, you could run, let's say you run mono green aggro, for shits and giggles, you could put 16 pathways in your deck. You, you could put 20 pathways in your deck, just because you can. Just just pick pick the ones with the pretty art for the green side, and it, it doesn't matter. Because how many 
I suppose people could lock you out with Field of Ruin, but like, who does that? <laughs> I mean, sometimes in blue-white, you can run Field. Shout out to Scratch from the server who does that and regularly messes me up because I run no basics. But like, pretty much no one does it. No one's going to assassin's trophy your land because they know you don't have a basic. So seeing things like this and seeing all these like four-color Nif, uh, I mean, like five-color Nif, four-color um, uh, the incarnation, enigmatic incarnation, four-color fires, five-color fires, like maybe we need to start punishing people for their mana just a little bit, right? I probably had people switch off the podcast the moment I mentioned Blood Moon. I hate the card too. I don't want to, I don't want Blood Moon because I think it's fun. But maybe there's an extent to which a better mana punishing card could be necessary. And it might be a cool opportunity for a white card. What's the wording on Alpine Moon? Uh, that's that, that's, a, that's activated abilities, right? I think it just loses every all text and just taps for any color now. Uh, Alpine Moon, because I have a place for this, I should know this. Uh, choose a non-basic land card name and that land they control lose all land types and abilities, and they gain add one mana of any color. So that's, like, the opposite of Blood Moon. Yeah. Um, no, like, well, I, I think it would be a, a good opportunity. Oh, wait, there's Blood Sun. Yeah. Um, all lands lose abilities except mana abilities. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, first, that could be, like, a good white card or a red card. So a red card could just straight up do damage. Um, a white card could, like... I don't know what a white card could do. We've got them that they enter tapped. But that that really doesn't matter. But maybe if someone just like, you know, if an opponent controls five or more non-basic lands, spells they cast cost one more. Mm. Or just just something like that. Have some sort of taxing effect. Oh, like a damping sphere, but for mana. Yeah, like, yeah, just like a cost increase if you run all the basics. And obviously, should be symmetrical. So you have to build your deck, for example, just mono white or boros with a lot of basics to do this type of thing. But like, I, th- I think that could be something that this that Pioneer could use in the future. I mean, I, I really like the format now. I like where the format is at, but I am somewhat concerned by seeing so many decks go into so many colors, right? And it's it's mostly the Niv decks, the Niv decks, the Fire decks, the Omnath deck, especially when they have a way to subvert mana costs, mm-hmm. like Fires. It just becomes really easy to just be running like, like that Enigmatic Incarnation deck. Uh, yeah, I'll just be five colors, right? Who cares? <laughs> Why not? Just just run five colors. I mean, I, I don't know if we're there yet, but I, I do understand what you're saying, and it's probably definitely something that we might be needing in the future. Yeah, I don't know if I, I don't I don't think we're there yet, but I think it's it's something to consider for the future health of the format. That getting rid of fetches hasn't made the mana as poor as people think it does. The main thing that keeps mana bases down is the fact that cycles aren't complete. Yeah, because I am, and I think this is like a a, a thing to touch on. I am so impressed with pathways they're great when they came out i was like these are fine right they're nice they're good like i could see these uh, being powerful but man pathways are good they they are one of the best land cycles we've ever had but they're actually just incredible lands and I th- he says they're never yeah i think it was todd anderson or something that said that they're like they're almost like second to duels to original duels now i still don't know if i find them better than shocks but man this it's close it's close. Do you think they're better than Fastlands? Probably, yeah. It's very dependent on the deck, right? There, there are some decks that really just need their lands to tap for both colors, right? There's still just low-curve aggro decks that, like, really care about tapping for 
all their colors, especially if you're starting maybe building like a three-color aggro deck or something, right? What if you build actual Naya aggro rather than Naya quote-unquote mid-range, right? You need your lands to be tapping for multiple colors, because otherwise you're just going to stumble. But overall, yeah, probably, especially because they come in untapped, which is just so good. I think they're also better than fast lands. But I've also been biased because the deck I'm playing now, being Jun Citadel, runs like 16 pathways. <laughs> it's um, incredible. And it runs 12. It runs the Gruul, the Rakdos, and, and the uh, and the, Ors the uh, Golgari. It runs all of them. Right? I don't think it runs anything else. Those, those only three it could run. So, I mean, could as in like, you should. You should not be running the Demir pathway, for example. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually, I just picked up. I went to a card shop um, at the uh, mall that's by my house. It's an outdoor shopping center mall, like one of the outdoor malls that like should not exist in Florida because it's fucking hot here. So I don't know why they thought that was a good idea. But there's a place called Monster Games that's in that mall. And I stop in every now and then see like what they got. And they usually don't have the best selection for singles drives me insane but they had a uh, a borderless full art um one of the demir pathways and i was like yeah i'll pick that up that's, that's one of the ones i don't have i have pretty much all the other ones um and those forwards are great yeah i've, I've got it i've got it in a card now in an online card shop because it's still hard to go buy shops here to have the rectos one the demir one for the full art ones another card i'm considering buying is dockside extortionist for commander but man the name fits with how expensive that card is. Oh, should we should we touch on any of the uh, reprints for um, Pioneer from Time Spiral? I don't know how many there are. I don't know if there's still a deck we want to be talking about. There's we got we got Urborg. Urborg got reprinted, but it's a it's a non foil one. So it's like ooh nice. Well, I mean you can pull in a foil, but there are some cards. Uh, there's some decks still that like. See, we touch on Niftalite. We haven't talked about Ors of Auras. We haven't talked about Mono Black Aggro. I feel like a lot of that is like, you know, we can refer to the um to the other episode but i do want to like have a quick rundown uh with something serious. the only thing about mono black aggro i want to say is Fuck you alex i was right yeah yeah they're also running yeah i i we had that podcast i remember listening to it back i remember listening back to it when faceless haven was it was our spoiler cast for for the when that was revealed and i asked doesn't it make sense for mono black aggro and other decks alike it to just run all snow swamps or whatever your four mutavolt and like two to three havens and you're like why would you ever run both that just it doesn't seem good enough nah nah old man alex over here it's way too much colorless mana and i would still i still believe that <laughs> especially the decks that run no urborg so they run seven colorless mans in decks that want to go like black spell black spell black spell black spell black spell it's like yeah, cool. Here's your Muda Vault messing up your opening hand. And they don't even run an Urborg. Like I will say they should run like one Urborg because they're running seven of those. It was 24 lands, so they ran seven of the Muda Vault being four of and then three phases of saving. And then 18. Are they on 25 lands? Holy shit. And 18 swamps. Yeah, and then 18 snow cover bait. Not even. Cutting Castle, yeah. too. Which is blasphemy. Castle, I can see because of like the running. You're 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 chain. You're basically you're you're swapping card advantage in a different yeah, way. Yeah, Phases yeah. Haven. You're going from straight up. I'm gonna draw and try to out edge like these control decks or like those grinding matchups anyway. To now just being like I have an extra body. Yeah. So like my land is a four or three. Exactly. Right. Which which is also good. Right. So I I get that. Also for vampires, it's nice. Do you think then before Call Time, 
that it would have been a very close call between Castle or Crawling Baron? Um... Because Crawling Baron saw zero play, which still even allowed you to play your castle. I played Crawling Baron in my um, historic version of Mono Black. Yeah, Mono Black Vampires. I only ran two of them. Oh, actually, it's two mana because Faceless Haven has Vigilance. Yeah, that one's... So you can still tap it afterwards. Yeah, so it's like a two mana difference rather than a one mana difference. So I, I guess it's a bigger difference. Um, but like playing against Mono Black Acro, I mean, man, this has been talked about like ad nauseum. Can, can we play our Snow Hate now, Alex? That that whatever angel thing? No. <laughs> it's our sideboard tech against Mono Black now. It's our sideboard tech, except it's like a three mana two three with flying that can't block anything in Mono Black Aggro and dies to Fatal Push. Okay, why why couldn't they just print an Authority of the Consoles single white mana and instead of saying it should say Snow Permanence enter the battlefield tapped Authority of the Consoles esque type of card in Kaldheim one white mana all Snow Permanence enter the battlefield tapped that's what it should have been that should have been the Snow Hate flat out Snow Creatures lands everything. I should have just printed, like... I thought there was a card that says destroy all snowlands. At least there's melting, which is hilarious. Four mana enchantment, all snow-covered lands become non-snow-covered lands of the same type. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I, the, the snow the snow hay card is still a f***ing joke. Um, like, almost as big of a joke as Divine Gambit. But speaking of, like, so how, obviously how we're going to beat Mono Black Aggro, we talked about this a lot. You want to... You, you want to go toe-to-toe with like their creature strategies, cards that are very good, or actually notably some red cards. I think like Anger of the Gods is a very effective card. Um, Shadow's Verdict as a black card is very effective. Magma Spray for the early game. Legion's End is a good card against the deck. Cry of the Carnarium is good. Uh, if you're coming out of a white deck, Apostle of Purifying Light is incredible. It doesn't die. It can block very well. That Humans list ran four in the main, by the way. Yeah, and it eats everything from the yard. It's And I think this yeah. is an important thing to touch on real quick, as we also talk about Ors of Auras, which is quite well set up to deal with the Thoughtseize Fatal Push style gameplay, especially with Apostle of Purifying Light. It's just the fact that if you're attacking this metagame, the current metagame is super black-heavy. Like, it is unbelievably black-heavy. We've always talked about how Fatal Push and Thoughtseize are like the staples, like the main, the face cards of this format are Fatal Push and Thoughtseize. And at the moment, in the current metagame, it seems like it's never been more true. Like it is, you, if you play a deck, and this is why, to touch on, we just see no mono green. Because the weakest, the big weakness of mono green is it's not good against decks that run Fatal Push and Thoughtseize. Well, almost every deck does. They are like the most stapliest of staples. Fatal Push is at 53% of the meta in Pioneer right now, overall. And then Thoughtseize is at 45% of the meta overall. And then the next card is Luris. And the card below is 29. Yeah, 29%. And then it goes to 25 with Mystical Dispute. So the drop-off is massive. Another really important thing to note with that statistic, Fatal Push is run in 53% of decks... And when it's played in a deck, it on average, a deck will run 3.7 copies of it. Yeah. So you're 53% of all... So half of all decks you're playing against will run close to a full play set of Fatal Push. So if your deck's not set up well to beat... And, and the same goes for Thoughtseize. So if your deck isn't well set up to beat these decks, just go home. <laughs> it's just... You, 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 yeah. you can't do anything. 
And I think that is a really important thing to notice, especially if we're talking about a card like Apostle of Purifying Light, like the Humans deck, just main deck it. If you have anti-black hate cards that are functional by themselves, like Apostle of Purifying Light is just a 2-mana two 2-1 two human with some graveyard hate stapled on it. In a generic aggro deck, that's fine. Right? You can you can get away with that. If your deck runs some sort of discard outlet, go crazy. Right? If you have a way to discard it, like for example, uh when I play Orzov Zombie Rally, when I ran it like back then because I grabbed the old list, I run one main deck fragmentize to deal with like main deck graveyard hate, maybe like mono green tutoring up something uh out of their wishboard, because I could always discard it to Crypt Breaker. Uh, so I think we've reached a point where you can definitely be doing that with Black Hate. Or maybe even the um, the Black card, the side... This is the Hate cards that hit... That hits... Uh, which hits include Black cards. So I'm thinking, obviously, Veil of Summer is banned. Um, Devout Decree even hit Red's cards. Which one am I missing, Brad? I'm missing a Hate card that hates on Black. So we said Devout Decree. What was the other one we said? Veil of Summer, but that's banned. Um, is this all from the same cycle? Yeah, those are from the same cycle. There's also Display of Dominance from Tarkir, because there was another cycle like this. Um, I think the black card from that one was terrible. Uh, the white card. Uh, I can't think of Ultimate Price if it's like not multicolored or whatever. Yeah, that's a, a Ultimate Price, yes, if a card is monocolored. Yeah. Which that was a card in the early beginning of Pioneer, and then everyone's like, "Yes, I, I remember. I had this note because I, I talk, I was talking with someone recently, and they were like, how do you test what card do I run over another card if they're very similar?'" And at the start of the format, the main choice was between do I run Cast Out or do I run Ultimate Price. Cool thing is they both had great promos, so at least you hadn't didn't have to pick for the art. Um, and I had a note on my phone, and I was at the time, I think I was just running, ca I, I was running Ultimate Price. Um, and I just had a note on my phone, and I, I just had this like next to me when I was playing a game, like over a webcam or something. And it would just say, number of times that I have cast cast out. And then I could like note that number. Number of times I wish it was, uh, number of times it was relevant it was cast out. Number of times I wished it was Ultimate Price. A number of times it didn't matter. And I literally just by hand just tracked like my own data to like figure out which copy I wanted. And then they printed Heartless Act and it's like, this can all go out the window. And then eliminate. And then they printed eliminate. Yeah. And we were back. <laughs> we were And eliminate sees like no play in Pioneer. Oh, get the fairies banned. I run a copy, but I'm probably swapping it for a Heartless Act, right? The fact that it hits three mana planeswalkers is just no longer relevant. Because what three mana planeswalker are you hitting? Maybe the uh, maybe the three mana Vivian in mono green now and Narset, I guess. You mean uh, the Narset? Yeah, three mana Narset. You've got like uh, three mana Vivian, uh, three three mana Nissa. You've got Gideon off the trials. You've got Narset. There's some cards worth hitting. Nico, eh, eh. Nope. Um, but you're getting to the point where like, eh, maybe I'm probably just gonna run like Heartless Act because it doesn't matter anymore. Um. But quickly hopping back to like decks to beat. So Ors of Auras, we've talked about Mono Black. You can listen to the past year worth of podcasts to find tep uh, tips against that deck, not just from us, but from literal any Pioneer podcast. Um, Ors of Auras, 
The main thing we've seen people do is that they're starter... Also Selesnia. And Selesnia, that they start running edicts again. So Noxious Grasps are being swapped for self-inflicted wounds. Yep. Uh, we can see cards like Liliana's Triumph. We could see Soul Shatter rather than Hero's Downfall, which is what I've been doing. Trial of Ambition if you're in the Yorian Enchantment deck. Yeah, just like the Edicts are the main ones. Um, Exile-based Sweepers, again, Shadow's Verdict, and uh, Extinction Event work around any sort of interaction that they have um, with their graveyard, which is very nice too. So those are the main cards I would be looking at. Are there any... Are there any Planeswalkers besides Liliana the Veil that have an Edict ability? Um, Liliana, Dreadhorde General, but it's six mana. Okay, any non-super expensive f***ing Planeswalkers that have an Edict ability? <laughs> I don't think so, but it's very black, so I can't imagine there's another Liliana that does it. I'm looking right now. But another card you could consider in your Ragdoll's deck is Angraf's Rampage. I love Angraf. Speaking of Planeswalkers related to Edicts, which is also incredible against that deck, and... Again, nice deck to consider in a deck that's pretty relevant against it. And it also works around Apostle of Purifying Light, which is the type of card they would be bringing in if you're playing Rectos. So Angraf's Rampage, very good card against Orzhov. Any Edict in general, of course, Liliana's Triumph is a very good one. Alex, how dare you? You f***ing forgot about Nicol Bolas the Deceiver. The eight mana, Nicol Bolas. Oh, no, 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 no. That's the one where they can sacrifice a non-land permanent unless they pay three life. On an eight mana, Planeswalker deck, Planeswalker. I, that that doesn't count. It's a plus three. <laughs> How often do you see... Who cares? What are you going up to? Isn't the other one like minus five, destroy a creature, draw a card or something? It's minus three, destroy a creature, uh, draw a card. Thank you very much. Ooh. And then you can minus 11 and deal the uh, minus 11, deal seven damage to each opponent and draw seven cards. On my eight mana walker. Yeah, the only there's only one that actually straight up lets them or has them sacrifice a creature, and that's Liliana Dreadhorde General and all of Pioneer. Um, the only other one that's close to that is Angrath, which, you know. Well, you steal it and it gets sacrificed at the end, which is. Which doesn't work against Auras because unfortunately, Karametra's Blessing also gives them hexproof for some reason. <laughs> I mean, Karametra's Blessing is just a great card. Amazing card. Uh, Alcid too. So, but so that's why you want you want you want your removal to somehow work around that. Could obviously also work to have some sort of a blocker. Uh, the problem is their cards are in Orzhov colors and sometimes even colorless, which makes it a little bit difficult. Obviously, cards like Fate of Push are still good because you're eventually just gonna run them out of removal. Uh, also, because sometimes they might keep one creature hands, so they could never keep going if you turn around and immediately kill it. Another deck you have at least a similar colors, more experience with, uh, Brad, probably than I do. Rakdos Pyromancer. How do people attack this deck? Um, so there's a few different ways you can attack it. One that you might think of initially is attacking the graveyard because Dreadhorde Arcanist is such... I mean, this this deck should be called Dread, uh, Rakdos Arcanist, like it is in Historic. I don't know why it's called Arcanist in Historic and Pyromancer in, in Pioneer, they are effectively the same deck. It's just Pioneer has access to some better options. Um, but you can attack the graveyard, essentially turn off Arcanist, which of course is really strong, right? Um, just kill the Arcanist. Killing the Arcanist is a big thing. So if you have the ability to... Well, let's say you're at a deck that already runs your Thoughtseize and Fatal Pushes in the main. And Thoughtseize is tough. Thoughtseize is actually a really tough call because on one hand, it's really powerful against them, right? On the other hand... They have the ability to get back a card with Claim to Fame 
or recast a card with Dreadhorde Arcanist. Or Coligan's Command. Exactly. So Thoughtseize is one of those where, like, it's such a hard call. I, I cannot, even playing the deck and playing against it, I cannot determine if it's justified to run it against them. Like, if, if it's just not good enough or if it's... Because some games I'm like, cool, I won because of that Thoughtseize. But there have been plenty of games where that just didn't matter that I Thoughtseize them. But if you're in a, a deck that already runs Fatal Push and Thoughtseize, already has main deck removal for the Arcanist, then yes, you can bring in your Graveyard Hate as the extra way of um, hitting him. Uh, I think this is one of those few decks where Leyline is far better than the other ones. Like, Leyline is incredible against this deck. Leyline of the Void? Yeah. I've, I've always said that this one's better against Arcanist than Rest in Peace and things like that. Um, it's always worked better. And you're more likely to be in black than you are white lately for uh, for a lot of cards in, in, in Pioneer, right? Yes. So the I, the ability of you even being able to play it is a bit better. But like Alex said, the main thing is you kill Arcanist at all times. Um, sweepers are great. You want to bring in your uh, Anger of the Gods if you can. Um, if you're playing Control and you already have Supreme Verdict, congrats. Keep doing that. Just f***ing kill them. <laughs> but you have to remember, this is not an aggro deck. This is effectively a mid-range deck. It's super grindy. And if you have a deck that feels like you lose to 8-Rack, for example, you're in for a rough outing. Because this is just a more efficient, better 8-Rack, to be honest. Now, Alex, do you remember the other... Rakdos deck that we had a while back. Not the one now. That's the mid-rangey with Kalidus and uh, Magmatic Channeler, which that was my number one pick, by the way. It was in the car, and it's showing up finally. It's having its day under the sun. It's being It's been played in a decent amount of decks. But um, do you remember the, the, the thick boy Rakdos that ran Waste Knot and Four Mana Liliana and Davriel? Ooh, mm-hmm. that one. That one does something to me. <laughs> that, one's a good, that, one's, that one's a good one. I would love to play that deck in paper, but I don't feel like dropping $80 on Waste Knot because for some reason it's still like a $15, $20 card. So, but yeah, that's how you attack Arcanist. It's, you, you got to kill the Arcanist itself. I think all the other ones are pretty manageable. Um, and obviously Croxa being pushable is fantastic. Being able to push Croxa is huge. Yes. But... On the other side of it, though, if you're playing Arcanist, that is not the easiest deck to play. It's not the easiest deck to pilot because there are quite a few lines of play where sometimes, as weird as it sounds, if you get your Luris to resolve and stick to the board, right? There are lines of play where the correct thing to do, instead of flat out escaping your Croxa, even if you have that ability to do so, the correct line is to play Croxa off of Luris and then use the Claim to Fame in your hand to get Croxa again. To, to discard your opponent twice which is sounds super weird that that's the right thing to do as opposed to like actually getting crocs of the stick but that happens a lot so the deck has very strange lines and you got to know your opponent's deck as well as you know your own to pilot that deck because you have to attack their deck you attack their hand you attack exactly what they're doing so being a proficient magic player in pioneer where you have experience playing decks like Niptolite, playing decks like Monogreen, playing decks like Burn, etc., etc., you'll be a better Rakdos player because you need that knowledge to attack their hands efficiently and their decks efficiently. I was looking at what would be good Madness cards to bring in as deck against the Pyromancer. Madness? From Shadows? Yeah, I mean, if they make you discard, what's a cool card you can Madness in? 
but there's not a lot of good ones. No, no, there's not. Like Fiery Tempers, like kind of bad. Blood Hall Priest is a fun one. You know, it's a card I'm surprised that we haven't seen pop up at all in Pioneer. Um, the Ox, the Escape Ox from Theros. Ox of Agonis. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Escape cards are good ones to be discarding too, but I was more thinking it's, it's it's not the type of thing that you. Um, it's not the type of thing that you definitely want to bring in. I mean, a cool card, like, for example, to his Asylum Visitor. Uh, also pretty good madness cards. And, but I was more trying to think of, like, what's the nice thing to sort of maybe like, try and break the mirror or try and, like, be a little bit cute. Um, one thing I consider to be good against Rectos to... I, I, I kind of forgot that you were... You were asking, like, did I find a cool deck? And, like, no, I didn't. <laughs> um, another interesting set of cards to bring in, which I think we already touched on, but I'm unsure... Uh, in an earlier week are the Theros gods yeah we see Clothis being brought in uh, Clothis being like showing up at some lists even as like a two-off where a list where you kind of feel like maybe people would want to be tutoring it but they still choose to put more copies of Clothis in their deck I've been with mixed success uh, trying to see if Keranos finally has a place in this metagame uh, the answer is most likely no but the jury's still out a little bit You've got it to resolve against me, and that's how you want it against the Jund. I mean, I used it against Jund Citadel, and I would use it in the same way against Rakdos. Where what I really like about Keranos is that because he actually has a way to start winning the game for you, which is, you know, in a similar way to Clothis, is that it really feels like once I stick a Keranos, there is no way for you to um, to remove it. So all so once I resolve a Keranos, my, and, and Clothis has a similar works in a similar fashion once they, they always give you a bad advice is to play not to lose you should be playing to win mm-hmm. but once you've got a Karanos or a Clothis on the field playing not to lose becomes playing to win because when we're going toe for toe one for one yada 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 i am slowly winning because i have a card advantage engine and like a way to like or a way to like damage you like Clothis such as drain you every turn that you are not able to interact with so all I have to do is just one for one you, and eventually I'll come out on top. And that's something I really like about Karanos. Something that's really nice about Clothis because it comes down earlier. Clothis obviously having the major upside that it's graveyard hate. It's incidental graveyard hate, which I feel like is important against Rectal Spiromancer because even though it has a matter of like it just wants to stock its graveyard to escape Croxa, it cares more about specific cards too. Like, its graveyard is sort of like, it's not just quantity, it's also to an extent quality. Mm. Where the Euro decks of old, they just wanted to dump stuff in their graveyard, it didn't matter what it was. And now you're thinking like, hey, you know, my opponent's got an Arcanist out. But what's the worst thing? You, if, if you've got like a Scavenging Ooze out, Arcanist doesn't do anything. Uh, if you have a Cling to Dust in your hand, they go to attack, target a card, just Cling it. Mm. And uh, so you could sort of have this like, pinpointy graveyard hate thinking of cards like uh, cling to dust or um, cremate which was the card that came before cling to dust in case you don't care about the life gain obviously doesn't have escape but at least it always cycles uh scavenging ooze it's pushable but you know if they one for one you and you like eat their croc sign you eat two good arcanist targets kind of still did a job so those would be the type of cards i'd be looking at like the targeted graveyard hate especially if it does something else. I'm personally not a big fan of cards like Rest in Peace or even Leyland of the Void against this matchup because you still have... You're not just attacking their graveyard. You need to be doing other things. 
And that's why I like something like Scavenging Ooze or Cling much more. Also, Graph Digger's Cage is crap against this deck. Yeah, I mean, that's why I prefaced about the Rest in Peace and Leyline thing and the Graveyard Hate kind of cards in general, saying you should only be bringing these cards in if your main deck ability of interacting and attacking their hand or especially their creatures through removal that is the only time you should be able to bring in graveyard hate in addition to something that you're already efficient at yeah, but yeah but like i can imagine your main deck being set up in a way where you have rest in peace in a board and you don't actually bring it in in this matchup yeah it's possible too like it's it's like i feel like and this is almost like an overall theme i feel like people are bringing graveyard hate more often than they should because they see their opponent do one thing with a graveyard yeah it's like i play grixis i have two torrential gearhawk and three dig through time and people bring in like two rest in peace that happens to me when i'm playing on vampires it's like i don't care yeah i recently played um in the in a pioneer weekly here and this is not trying to crap on my opponent or anything but they brought in graph digger's cage and it's like the only card in this deck it doesn't even affect dig through time it just affects two Torrential Gearhawk in my deck. But people have this reflex. It's like my opponent does something with their graveyard, so I should be running graveyard hate out of my board. You totally shouldn't. At least not. it's not a blanket thing. You know, like we, we've talked about this before. The graveyard is becoming like increasingly more used by decks. There are little to no decks in this game that do not use their graveyard in any way. And so when you bring in graveyard hate... You shouldn't be thinking, oh, is my opponent doing something with their graveyard? Because they most likely are. I mean, delve cards exist, right? So your opponent is probably, or escape cards now. Your opponent is going to be doing something with their graveyard sooner rather than later. But that doesn't mean that you should devote cards to stopping them from doing that. Because maybe it's not as impactful as you think. Right? Making a control deck pay 8 mana for dig through time is something they can just do. Yeah, It's no big deal. So don't don't bring in the graveyard hate fat. I you could definitely beat Rectal's Pyromancer with little graveyard hate. Again, as Brad pointed out, if you're just able to deal with their primary game plan, it just makes it more iffy. But like a scavenging ooze will do in some in some instances. So you know what you know what card would be great that we don't have in Pioneer, but it's in Historic because you know mm-hmm. the way Historic is. What's it? The Chroma's Memorial. Is that a seven mana artifact that does like a billion things? Yeah, and, and you, all your creatures get protection from red and black. They have flying. Yeah, but why is that good against the Colgan's command deck? Uh, because it, oh, uh, it, it, that I forgot that that's not a thing in historic. So it's it's not good again. <laughs> it's great in historic. Yeah, because I was playing. Um, it's in my wishboard for Karn for my monogram planeswalkers in historic. Oh, ah, yeah, yeah. And I'll get it out against them, and I'll just laugh. Like, ha. I mean, they do run a braid sometimes, so sad but for that turn they're like yeah yeah and, and that's why i wanted to point out i think cage is like maybe the worst graveyard hate against this deck because it still allows them to stock up their graveyard um pyromancer still works they could still cast croxa they just can't escape it so they'll just be stocking their graveyard and then at one point they play cola goods command they just shatter it and it's like okay cool right i have still been stocking my graveyard and that is still there at least a rest in peace means if they if they somehow find a feat to swarm and if they run it and deal with it, they still haven't been able to like affect the they haven't been able to like stock up their graveyard. So they do have to start from zero, even if they get rid of your rest in peace. 
Craft Digger's Cage just doesn't do anything. Oh. Just, oh no, I'm not kidding you on turn four. Alex. I wasn't going to anyway, because I'm not Upsal Spells. You know what card I would love for Pioneer to have? Well? Uriok Champion. Is that the three mana... Oh no, that's the two mana one one pro black, pro red? Yes. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield, you may gain one life. Uh, Ooh. I don't know if you won that. Yes. I feel like Pioneer is good right now. I, we don't have to think about too many cards we would want. I think that was. I think that's a fine one. I don't know, man. Give burn players a chance. The deck's already like very swingy in its performance, being great one week and then not being good the other week. I don't see why we would not Oriok Champion just to poop on that deck more. That's fine. Just uh, you know, Bonecrusher Giant is kind of cool. That it removes protection. Yeah. Wish we had more cards that said that. You got you got Chain of the Rocks. So you know, Chain of the Rocks Oriok Champion. Doesn't Wild Slash Shade damage can be prevented? Yeah. It does, which they're running four of them. What about what about Paladin and Vec? That's just a straight up three mana two uh, two, two in white that has first strike and protection from black and red. Um, just run. Uh, what is it? Blah blah Paladin. It's a three mana two two, and that's hexproof from black and from red. Uh, Fiend Slayer Paladin. Just run that. It's a three mana. 2-2, Human Knight, First Strike, Lifelink, can be the target by black or red spells. Oh, yeah. And Legal and Pioneer. And a human. Oh, it's also, it's also a human. They're both human knights. Whatever. Just run Fiend Slayer Paladin. Well, Brad, if you, were, if you would be listening to this podcast, you know that I recommended this card to you in the very episode we talked about how to deal with the common decks, because I mentioned this card. I might just buy a playset just to have it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I remember, I remember the art, and I was like, "This is really cool art." <laughs> uh, we got to get that the M14 version, though, not the Arch Enemy Nicol Bolas one. We want the older-ish border. Look at that! It's a, and it's a dollar. Add to cart, check out, and complete order. Look at that! Done, <laughs> done. Four dollars. We got our playset, boys. Just gotta use the biometric scanner to confirm my purchase because technology's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> Like, imagine that being a sentence that you would tell your old, like, 10-year-old self. Like, yeah, you'd have to, like, scan your fingerprint on your mobile device or your laptop or whatever to, like, make purchases. That would sound so f***ing insane to, like, 10-year-old me. I mean, I'll be honest, the idea of, like, if you'd go back in time, like, I mean, we're old enough now that this probably has to go back in time, like, 15 years. It's like, you would just be texting people all day. You'd be like, man, that must be really expensive, right? Not at all, little Jimmy. Not at all. You know, like, it would be like, if we go back to 2007, that'd be like nine-year-old me, nine to ten-year-old me, depending on what time of the year it is, playing RuneScape, and someone would tell you, one day you can play that on your phone. Like, literally the same game, you could play that on your phone. We're starting to sound like old man, Brad. Let's talk about, you know what? Let's talk about a real old man thing. Should I talk about Time Spiral? Yeah, let's do that. The actual boomer set. Dude, that's such a cool set, and I didn't even f***ing play Magic at that time. No, me neither, but I think we're both invested enough in Magic that sometimes it feels like we did. Like, someone mentions, like, some like, some sort of weird card, and I'm like, oh yeah, that was, like, a really good standard deck at the time. And it's like, dude, that was ten years before you played the game, and it's like, yeah, I don't know. It, it's fun. Full set's out, right? Full set is indeed out. So, I suppose the important thing to talk about mainly is the bonus sheet, which I'm sure... Everyone is aware by now, Time Spiral Remastered is based on the old set Time Spiral. And Time Spiral, I think I'm correct, every Time Spiral pack or every couple of packs had a card that was like in its original printing, except it would obviously have the Time Spiral logo. 
think of, for example, Nicol Bolas from Legends. Right? I, I run a Nicol Bolas from Legends with that art in my EDH deck. But the original one is like unaffordable because it's from Legends. But Time Spiral gave us reprints that um, still had that old border, even though the border had changed at the time, and especially would become an abomination of a border in future sight um, before reverting back to normal. Now, this time with Time Spiral Remastered, they've done a little bit differently. They have taken cards that are available in regular borders. For example, the first one on the sheet is Ajani's Pride Mate, and they've actually given them an old border. So it would be like, hey, what what if this card was printed in like 1999? This is what the border would have looked like with this card. Uh, Even to the point where cards with flashback have like the little tombstone next to the name, which implied back in the day, like, this is a graveyard-based card. It would have like, this little tombstone next to the name, which is on it. It's so cool. This is so cool. So, oh. obviously, these old-school boomer-style cards have been very well-received, especially the artifacts that are brown. Uh, my favorite? No, I think the blue is the best border. I think blue is the best border for me by far. Just blue looks so good. The little swirly shit. I'm a big fan of black. Black's fine, but look at that ponder. Also because... Look at that ponder. Oh. So here is a thing that some people have been talking about with Time Spiral. There was a uh, there was a tweet by um, by Alice V. Let me see if I, can, if I can find the original tweet. So how much Time Spiral do we have to buy to get them to switch back to old frames? After seeing them, it's clear that magic cards just look better that way. And Amy the Amazonian had a um, had a tweet that's saying they're really poor for a usability standpoint. I know the aesthetic is very nice to you old school magic players, but it's just miserable as a person with limited vision. Contrast matters. Like some of these cards, if you go to the eye doctor and they determine whether or not you read, you need glasses. And I, I, this is a joke I stole from someone on Twitter. You know when you have to read like letters that get increasingly smaller mm. to see how good your vision is. Yeah. The final boss is just a white card in old frame. <laughs> and it's like, can you read to me what this what this card is called? It's impossible to read. Yeah. Right? And now overall I like them. Some of them look nice, but again like the white ones are just impossible to read. Like what creature type is this? I don't know. Um and some of the arts just just don't work in old border. It just, it just doesn't mash. I would say literally all the white ones work. All the white artworks. All of them. I know some of them feel like... No, look at the white ones. Look at the white ones only. Tell me any of those don't work. Come on. Um. Well, I think some don't match with how art is drawn now with how these the time of the borders. Like, some of these are, like, clearly digital drawings. Like, like for example, I, I really like Restoration Angel. And I think the art looks incredible. But they were not able to draw them like this when these borders were around. So sometimes they just don't match. Like Eternal Witness, using the new art, just doesn't work for me. I don't know, it does it doesn't it looks a bit off. Well, Orzov Aura players are pretty excited getting uh Ethereal Armor and SRAM. Uh that's great. That's great. Or SRAM. I just, I hate I hate the I hate pronouncing it as SRAM because it sounds just like eh, SRAM. He's SRAM. Like so I always go SRAM. <laughs> well I mean he is a dwarf. I can imagine he just enters field like hello, I'm SRAM. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm gonna call you SRAM because it doesn't sound like I'm talking to a child. Let's go with that. Um are you gonna get the disdainful stroke though? 
I'm gonna get the Thraumon Inspector at least. No, I'm not gonna get Disdainful Stroke because this isn't a good Disdainful Stroke art. I think that art's great. I don't know, I love the Kaldheim one so much. I mean, this one's probably more fitting in the color usage, so it fits this border better. Are you gonna get... Than the Kaldheim one, dude, or the other one? Oh, true name nemesis? <laughs> um, are you gonna get Remand for the inevitable print in the Pioneer? I mean, Remand looks pretty good. Like, I... I just don't care for these old borders as much to pay the premium that you're going to have to pay for some of these, right? Not all of them. I would like Thraven Inspector. I don't know how much it's going to cost, though, because normally it's bulk. I don't know if this is still going to be bulk. I mean, I've seen, I mean, uh, this is, I mean, I've, I've seen a pre-sale for Ponder for 15 bucks, which is like six times the price of what a Ponder normally costs. I'm not going to pay six times the price just to look like I got into a time machine and bought a card rather than just bought a card. So I don't care that much, to be found, to be honest. But you're talking to the guy who doesn't care about foiling his decks either. True. I'm a little surprised that they used the um, Noah Bradley art for Anger of the Gods. Though I understand they probably made this incredibly far in advance before all the uh, stuff came out about him. But I don't know. A little surprising for me. But a lot of the red cards look great. Monster of Spear is great. Kiki Jiki looks great. Uh, Bedlam Reveler looks cool. Dreadhorde Arcanist and Young Pyromancer. You know I'm getting those for uh, for my Rakdos deck. Because that's so good. I mean, for me, it is a lot with the contrast, right? Which are readable. I really like... I don't know. I feel like the black ones are still just easy on the eyes. I really like that, like, the sort of, like, bubbly, really, like, swampy thing around around the edges. Uh, I don't know, they have more... I feel like the black ones really have a lot of character because the border and stuff is sort of like wobbly around the text box. Prized Amalgam? I didn't know that was one of them. Yes. <gasps> oh, yeah, we're getting that. We're getting that. And Mortify is great. Oh, yeah, all the multicolored one looks awful. Nope, they're all great. Dovin's Vita looks phenomenal. Oh, no, that one looks so bad. Abrupt Decay looks great. Abrupt Decay looks okay. Oh, my goodness. Abrupt Decay looks great. Bloodbird Elf looks great, even though I don't like that art that much. Feather looks great to me. Uh, Lavinia looks great. Prize Mountain looks awesome. Slimefoot. Now, Mortify is one that genuinely looks... That's pro Maybe that's, like, the best-looking one. For just, like, how much does this look like this card is actually from that time? True. Like, the Mortify art they took is so perfect that it's like, yeah, this could totally be a card from, like, 1999. I actually think all of the artifacts look really good. Like, even, like, Sorcerer's Spyglass looks right to me. Phantom Articarn looks incredible. Vanquisher's Banner looks great. Like, they look good. Hollow One's cool. Hedron Archive is cool. Chalice the Void looks amazing. Field of Ruin... Looks like a proper wasteland stand-in. Yeah, because like all the all the original art, of, like the the really rough land destruction, like wasteland, strip mine. Ooh, they're all in old border. Ramanap ruins. And then you see field of ruin in old border, and you're like, oh yeah, Ramanap ruins is a very good fit. Oh my god, that one looks amazing. Also, funnily enough, this waste printing is the first waste with the text on it. Yeah, good for them. Because wastes were only printed in Oath of the Gatewatch, and they were full arts. So, Bajugabog looks perfect. Yeah, also a slam dunk. Archivaka uh, Orazka, I can't remember the pronunciation. Um, that's another one. Mystic Sanctuary looks good. Rip, Rip Mystic Sanctuary, though. Yes. Uh, going back a little bit to like start talking about Pioneer. 
are there actually some cards in here that you're like these are these are good reprints this could even be going away from the bonus sheet and just look at the actual cards from time spiral are there what are like the noteworthy cards in here that you're like very happy to see um so from the bonus sheet that's a lot easier because you can i'm thinking about like bl like blinging out decks i'm thinking of like rakdos pyromancer is going to look awesome getting your thought seizes your uh, arcanist and your pyromancer that's cool um looking at regular reprints i'm not seeing too much yeah my think of the bonus sheet quickly the for Thoughtseize, I would say my preferred art is, is Theros. Same. I think the Thoughtseize one looks better in the Old Border, and the Old Border does make this my favorite Thoughtseize. But not my favorite enough that I'm going to swap in my pay playset and then like pay an extra 50 bucks. Get like not that much my favorite. Looking at the regular reprints, there's not a whole lot of Pioneer Legal reprints that are not the bonus sheet. There's actually a lot more in the bonus sheet than there are in the regular set. Um... Yeah, so far I've seen none that are really relevant, and I'm on black right now. Just finished black. Yeah, nothing really there. Um, through red, more of the same. Not really much anything. So the only the only thing for Pioneer that this set seems to offer is like, do you want to bling out some of your cards? Because that's what it comes down to. Because I'm all the way through green now. Now I'm in the multicolored. Yeah, this is. 100% about the bonus sheet. So the main set doesn't have really much of anything. The bonus sheet has a lot. Um, a Johnny's Pride Mate, Banishing Light, Containment Priest, Three Armor. Yeah, but I'm thinking, what are cards that are, like, expensive now? What what cards are also just happy to see in this set? Like, because I can imagine Thoughtseize being, like, mm -hmm. a lot of people who own Thoughtseize, and, like, the, the, the people who would be playing with Thoughtseizes, right? Like, modern players, they will definitely get these right so i feel like these are gonna have a high premium on them but like when when did we reprint thoughts it was a double masters when thoughts it was reprinted a double masters it took a little bit of a dip and it became like a good time to buy thought seizes and i feel like now that it's in times power remasters and like the premium that's gonna be on these we might be getting that again so you know we're seeing like we just mentioned how much thought is being played probably a good time to pick them up now or soon if you don't have them i think the the, the cards that are going to see the best the best the most beneficial you know market effect are going to be thoughties like you said uh, abrupt decay arcades um maybe feather even though it's not super expensive prized amalgam was like an eight dollar card so i think it still is um and i think that's honestly it. Oh, and uh, Vanquisher's Banner is always have around six, seven bucks. That's Commander reasons. Um, those are the ones that come to mind when I see these reprints and like what's going to get affected for like price. Maybe Course of Crew Fix. It's like a four or five dollar card. So like that could get brought down a bit. Um, this is a really nice Sylvan Scrying for Lotus players, though. Um, as far as the red cards... This Arcanist is going to be like six, seven bucks. The regular one's three bucks, so that doesn't do much. Young Pyromancer is pre-selling for $15 for some reason. Uh, Leyline of the Void might take a dip from this. Oh, yeah, Leyline of the Void is in here. Ju it just might. Um, Baral's not really expensive. SRAM is kind of pricey-ish, so maybe. And that's really about it. But these are a lot of really cool cards to like bling out your deck, though. These are great. I'm pretty excited for these. I just wish... 
I just want them to print Thoughtseize with the the Amonkhet art. That's all. Yeah, but obviously they went for the Boomer art in the Boomer set, in the Boomer frame. Yeah. I just didn't like the art for Thoughtseize and Double Masters. I didn't like the... Yeah, the weird, like... The, the puzzle piece in the brain thing. Yeah, yeah and it yeah. kind of creeped me out. <laughs> Not gonna lie. I thought the art was cool, and I liked the art, but I didn't like it enough to, like, this is the, the second place of the Thoughtseize I want to buy, you know? Um, oh, and Cutthroat is nice in this in this uh, border. But I think I'd rather have the secret layer, Cutthroat. But before we ramble on too much about Time Spiral, which isn't completely relevant to Pioneer, it's a cool thing to touch on. Anything else you have left for our listeners to tell them before we go out the door? I'm not sure if we can have a quick dip and see if there's anything in the mailbag. Sure, we can take a look. Um, let's see, we've got... Our card here is Sean... I'm not, I haven't looked at this. Uh, it's Sean B. In regards to the scrub-out stories, which we talked about last week, where we mentioned how we made our opponents miserable and having them walk away from tables and that sort of thing. So I haven't read this one yet. Um, you cannot tap uh, top Angrath scoops. I don't know. I feel like the duress sees crap hand scoops anyway. I felt that almost kind of good too. But Yeah, they're both great. So Shambi says, I was taking part in a side event in a modern PTQ, which was five rounds of modern, with the prize support being masterpiece cards. Yeah. That's a pretty solid side event. Uh, I've never had any other modern deck other than Bogles, so I decided, well, I might as well. Suddenly I got a really good run where my opponents were not just prepared, f- were just not prepared for the deck, and I went 2-0 four times for a 4-0 record. I sat down with last opponent for the 5-0, and he was on Elves. In game one, he gets a pretty impressive board and finishes off his turn with an Elvish champion. I then realize he made a huge mistake and throws three auras on my now unblockable Gladecover Scout for game one. What does Elvish champion do again? Oh! I think it gives Forest Walk to your elves. I think Elvish Champion gives Forest Walk to elves. <laughs> so by giving, so he gave his Glade Cover Scout unblockable. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's really sick. Game two, we joked for board, we joked, jokey, whatever, for board presence, and I have a non-trampling tapped thirteen thirteen life linker. But my opponent plays two Shaman off the back to so take me to five and swing in with five. Uh, with his five other elf. I assume he thought, oh, a path to exile doesn't save him. But I tapped two lands and flash in Triclopian Sight on my Pokal, gaining me 15 life. Wait, I have to read this card. Triclopian Sight is one and a white for an aura. Flash Enchant Creature. When Triclopian Sight enters the battlefield, untap Enchanted Creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one plus one in vigilance. <laughs> so I tap to and flash in Triclopian sight on my bogle, gaining me around fifteen life. What he scooped up his cards and said, "I'm not playing against uninteractive decks." While he picks up his elves, signed the slip, and stormed off. I mean, wait, an elves player was complaining about a deck being uninteractive. <laughs> also, he just did a move that was unexpected and kind of interactable, right? Yeah. You would be flashing an aura to like to make you block. Yeah. <laughs> that that sounds interactive to me. That's like the best Bogles play I've ever heard. This is a, this is a fantastic story, though. Also, everyone, look up the art for Triclopian Sight. I think I pronounce it in three different ways now. The art is incredible, as in really weird. Typical Lorwyn art. But yeah, th- there were no other other questions being asked. I do want to know. Oh yeah, I got a masterpiece Aether file for my five O. 
I mean, that is that is a good masterpiece. Nice. I was thinking maybe like Orny, it was going to be Ornithopter or something. But. Where is my... I want my thought seizes. I just don't want to drop $400 on a playset of Invocation thought seizes. Yeah. But, oh, but Alex, the feeling I'll have every time I go turn one thought season, they're like, what the f*** is that card? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you can't read it. <laughs> And I, I, I need to, if I need to, if I want to bite the bullet, I need to get them sooner rather than later because the, the price is just going to have to keep going up, right? I mean, yeah, they're masterpieces, so. I haven't checked the price in like a few months, like two months. Let me check. So Thoughtseize, uh, they're listed at 92 right now. Did they go down? Moderately played, moderately played, moderately played. Near Mint, $93. Near Mint, $99. Why do they have lightly played at 101? Bitch, do you not see the three other people being lower than you? Let's see, are there any are there any four more listed at near mint? Price trend on card market, so over here is 91 euros. Ooh, someone's selling someone has four of them for 114 each at near mint. Good grief. I mean I, I at that point I might buy all of them from that person and pay the extra $45 just for convenience sake of like, hey, you have them all and they're all near mint. Ooh. Maybe with a stimmy. Maybe with a stimmy. It's one way to spend your stimulus bill. Flex on magic players that I can't even play with in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities. But Alex, anything else out the door before we go? No, not really. I think we've talked about uh, quite a lot. All right, real quick. Reminders out the door, everybody. Here we go. We are the official podcast of the Playaway Discord server. You can hop in and play Paper Magic with us, Paper TCGs, whatever. We both own Yu-Gi-Oh decks, Alex, so, you know, you know, cool. I actually have a bunch of Pokemon cards, too, so I could scrap something together. If you want to be featured in mailbag questions, just like we went over this week, even though it wasn't a question, more of a story, but if you want to share stories and stuff like that, too, you can go ahead and hop in the Playaway Discord server and go into the mailbag question channel, and you can be featured right here on the cast but we've had this before if you want to dm me on reddit or twitter or alex or on, on twitter uh you know you can do that as well and you can probably be featured the same way speaking of twitters alex has one alex what's yours minus at disciple of bolos yeah and there you can find me tweeting about random magic stuff bad beat stories about brad beating me with john citadel really badly um and generally deck lists that sort of thing i Tend to check it every day, so if you get a message me, tweet at me, whatever, you'll probably get a relatively quick reply. I don't get that much traffic on Twitter, so... And you can find myself on Twitter as well, at Bradsifer, B-R-E-D-C-I-F-E-R. And you can also follow our official podcast, which is Pio Perspective, P-I-O Perspective. And of course, you can follow the Playaway uh, Twitch, I'm sorry, Twitter as well, which is at ComePlayAway. And you can also follow myself and play away on twitch which is playing away on twitch and brad Sifer on twitch as well we also have other podcasts in this wonderful family of ours this is the pioneer perspective where we talk about all things pioneer but we also have another sister podcast called pondering popper featuring diego and cali guys wonderful people go check them out even if you don't play popper which i don't but i still listen to them every week they're great. Which I actually I think they're oh, let me correct that. They're more on a semi-week schedule. So they're usually on a two-week schedule as opposed to weekly like we are. Um, but they might be picking that up a bit more uh consistently later on. We'll see. But they have a new episode coming out very soon. 
We also have merch. You can get Pyre Perspective play mats through Inked Gaming, which we are a wonderful affiliate partner with. And we'll have other things on the store should you want them. Dice bags, duffel bags, play mat bags, things like that. Tell me what you want. We'll put it out. But at the moment, we have a bunch of different play mats. Outside of that, we love you. Thank you for your support, whether it's through Reddit, the Discord server, commenting on, you know, the cast through DMs with myself or Alex, DMing me on Reddit, all that good stuff. You are incredibly appreciated. Also, we appreciate everyone who's, you know, actually got out and bought uh, play mats and things like that or used our code for um, uh, in gaming as well, just to give us a little bit of support. It helps go towards paying the editor and paying for things like my new mic and uh, Alex's uh, beautiful facial reconstruction surgery that he has coming up in uh, about three weeks. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm going to Elon Musk. I'm having a microphone built in. Oh, nice. <laughs> I wonder how the playback is going to be down there. If it's going to go right into your eardrums. Yeah, right into my brain. Just going to skip it. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, thank you so much. We love you. You guys are amazing. This would not be possible without you. And until next week... This is goodbye. Bye-bye. See you.